everybody. What's going on? Rob Sesternino back here with another edition of Talking with T-Bird. And now let me bring in my co-host, the bounty hunter of Survivor interviews, the great Teresa T-Bird Cooper. Hey, Rob. How's it going? It's going great, T-Bird. Very excited for today to talk to one of your friends from Survivor Africa. We're going to talk to Kelly Goldsmith today. Great job. That's that's right. Better known as now Professor Goldsmith. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew watching her 22, you know, when she was 22 years old on the island. Now we have to call, we don't have to, but we can refer to her now as Professor Goldsmith. And I am ready. I'm so excited, Rob. I've got my RHAP Talking with T-Bird kit right here in front of me. I've got my podcast bell. I've got my eight ball, which I'm, I'm going to ask right now. It's just going to be an awesome podcast today. And my eight ball that you gave me, incidentally, that you gave me all those years back, it says all signs point, signs point to yes. Yes. I've got my popcorn. I've got my water bottles, water bottles, Right multiple here, bottles of water. Rob, listen, I, yeah, mu- absolutely multiple bottles. I've been down this road a time or two. Hey, Rob, and also I've got a great, cool, awesome idea. Tell me what you think. I think we need to give away an RHAP Talking with T Bird startup kit, which includes a podcast bell, an eight ball, which can help us answer the difficult questions. A hot air popcorn maker, complete with a year's supply of popcorn. I don't know how much popcorn that would be for a year. A case of water and some tennis shoes. I'm thinking tennis shoes because you know that before every podcast I do, I go out and I get a a good run in so I can release some enthusiasm so that it does not render our guest uncomfortable. So this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we should right now take caller 10 on the RHAP lines so we can give this RHAP talking with T-Bird startup kit away. What do you think? Is that a great idea or what? No, uh, T-Bird, oh, a, a, lot, a lot of, a lot of we, uh, we, issues, we yeah. We, we, yeah. Oh, we can't take callers. We can't well, take callers We're not live, no, no. Whoa. Oh, oh, well, okay. Well, that's not going to work then. Well, I, hey, it was a great idea. You know it was. <laughs> do you it's have all that idea. stuff ready to go? To give out? Yeah. To send? I've got all my stuff right here. But the the T-Bird, talking with T-Bird startup kit, I just figured we'd find that one person, caller number 10, and whoever that was. But we can't take callers, so I guess we'll have to come up with something different. Okay. I don't know. Just an idea. I thought it was a great idea. Yeah. The talking with T-Bird dop kit with a popcorn maker and shoes and all sorts of things that you need to be just like T-Bird. Water bottles, eight balls. For the podcast. Yeah, there T-Bird, you go. I'm also very excited Ready after we talk after we talk to Kelly that I have a, a treat for you because we are going to listen to we got a lot of submissions for a talking with T-Bird theme song and I want to play them for you and run them past you and see what you like the best. So we'll do that after we talk to Kelly Goldsmith today. OK, OK, that sounds great. OK, that sounds perfect. Right. I'm excited. I'm really excited to hear them. All right. And then before we get Kelly Goldsmith on the line, let me take a moment and thank our sponsor. And maybe this is something that we could certainly add to the Talking with T-Bird starter kit. Haagen-Dazs T-Bird. 
Hagen Dazs, they know that your oh, best moments are made even yes. better with a side of the most extraordinary ice cream. That's why this summer you can treat yourself to any one of the nine flavors from the Trio Crispy Layers Collection with 15 layers of decadence. You can indulge like never before. Inside every Trio Crispy Layers ice cream carton is a harmonious blend of texture, crisp layers, and the finest ice cream. And you know it's made with the utmost care and the finest ingredients because it's coming from Haagen-Dazs. 50 years of experience delivering the extraordinary ice cream that you crave. The Trio Crispy Layers have chocolate flavors now with 30% more chocolate, including triple chocolate T-Bird. Velvety white mm. chocolate ice cream complemented by smooth milk chocolate ice cream with the delightful crunch of crispy Belgian chocolate layers plus non-dairy flavors like non-dairy dark chocolate crunchy peanut butter. Every bite delivers layer after layer after layer of extraordinary flavor. The finest ingredients from Haagen-Dazs give you the delectable taste that you love. Your taste buds will thank you. Summer just got sweeter. It's for all of your best moments, like when T-Bird finds a gem from Survivor Pass. They deserve the most extraordinary trio, crispy layers, from Haagen-Dazs, perfect for every moment. So head on over to Haagen-Dazs.com to discover more and pick up Haagen-Dazs Trio Crispy Layers at various stores near you. That's the Haagen-Dazs Trio Crispy Layers. Okay, and like we like to do on this podcast, I'm going to turn it over to T-Bird to bring in today's guest, Kelly Goldsmith. All right, everybody, you asked for her and asked for her understandably, and she's here. She's not just another pretty, sassy, hilarious girl with a wicked sense of humor. What hasn't she done? Kelly G, Kelly Goldsmith, Kelly Girl, Kel, Kelly Goldsmith Shriver, Avery and Austin's mom, Reed's wife, Professor Professor Goldsmith, or as my daughter Ellie fondly refers to her as her favorite Survivor Africa player. player. Yeah, the youngest player in Africa at age 22, wise and beyond her years. She lasted 24 days. She was the eighth voted out and the first member of the jury. And listen to this resume. Cassie knew they had a hit when they cast this young lady. She is currently an associate professor of marketing at Vanderbilt. She got her undergraduate degree in sociology at Duke. She has a PhD from Yale. She was featured in one of Chicago's magazines in 2010 as one of Chicago's hottest singles. In 2013, she was nominated for Professor of the Year Award, the highest teaching award given at the Kellogg School of Management, and remains one of the youngest faculty members to have ever been nominated. In 2014, she was recognized as the top 40 business school professors under 40, and CNN and Forbes described her as eight young professors on the rise. Come on, Kelly, give us something to work with here. If Woo-hoo! all this yes. is not, yes, if all this is not enough, you can see and hear her on TED Talk, which has now been picked up by TED.com on how to make the most 
out of not having enough. My friends, I Aww. am so pleased and excited, and Rob and I would like to welcome Professor Kelly Goldsmith Shriver. Oh, thank you Kelly so Bell! much. T-Bird, that was so yes. nice of you. Thank you. Kelly, I'm gonna you're have still you- there well, after that introduction? I could have listened to that all day. That was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, T-Bird, that was a you new were- record. That was great. Well, T-Bird, come to my class and introduce see- me. Oh, I, I will. How long is your class? Because that was a pretty long intro. No, I know. Seriously, but I, I would get way better teaching ratings. So I'm going to have to bring you in. I would love to come in there. Kelly, you've done so much. You've done so much in your 40 years. Oh, girl. Well, it's been a long time since I was on Survivor. I had like 19 years to do stuff. So I had I had no excuse not to. All right. Well, Kelly, thank you very much for coming on and talking with us here that T-Bird was able to track you down. And I know there's a lot of people very excited to hear from you today, myself included. Oh, well, thank you, guys. It's a true honor. I feel like I'm hanging out with celebrities here because I, I am actually hanging out with celebrities. You guys are infinitely more famous than I am. So this is fun. Stop, stop, stop. And better looking and smarter. I could go on all day. Yeah. Hey, so, Kelly, do you think your little um, survivor, playing on Survivor, slowed you down on what you could do in your life? <laughs> I don't I know. Okay. Uh, I, I think I did okay. I will say it's funny, right? Because I had always planned on going to graduate school and I had applied to graduate school right out of undergrad. So my plan was to go that fall. I graduated in the uh, sort of June, whatever of 2001. And my plan was to go that fall. But then because we shot Survivor Africa over the summer, I actually turned down my acceptance to grad school so I could like hang out and watch myself on television and be unemployed for what ended up being about two years. So in a certain way, it slowed me down a little bit. Um, but it was, it was well worth it, of course. And luckily I was able to get back on the horse and go back to graduate school in 2004. They were still willing to have me. Okay. Yeah. I, I say you did. Okay. Hey, listen guys, we've got to get this out of the way because right before we started, I want the listeners to know that you, Kelly, you and Rob said to each other, Kelly, I think you said, Rob, have we met? And, and then Rob, I think you said, what, well, you know, I think maybe we have, but was it flirty? Was it creepy? No, 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 well, I think you're getting uh, the, so, who said what wrong T-Bird. Okay. Say it, say it, say it, say it again. I'm just hoping it was creepy on my part. I like to like relive those glory days of my youth. Um, so, so let me know, T-Bird. Was it creepy? Well, I don't know. But listen, so Cable Brandon sent me a message and he said that Rob had done a podcast with Josh Wiggler and he had said that he had a crush on you. <gasps> the evolution of strategy while the season was airing. So I just want to throw that out. And Rob, we need clarity. We need clarity on this because, you know, it's important to give the listeners the whole story. I, I, I mean, silence. I don't know if there's, if there's much more uh, to the story than uh, than that. I mean, I, I think that uh, Kelly is a uh, uh, very, very attractive uh, woman. Yes. She's uh, on. similar age as me. Yes. Yeah. Smart. Funny. Go on. I'm listening. Yeah. We're in love now. OK, fantastic. I'm excited. Rob's sister, he knows in love with me. And my day has been made, you guys. I've officially achieved all there is to achieve in life. This is great news. There you go. All right. <laughs> Wait. All right. All right. T-Bird does so her Kelly, homework hey. for these. Yeah, well. So, Kelly, let me start with mm. this. With There's so much to go over with you. But what I want to ask you, starting out, let's start from the beginning. Okay. Why did you apply? How many times did you apply? And tell me about your audition tape. 
Okay, girl, you know, we were on season three, so there couldn't have been that many times I applied before our show. So um, I applied because it was my favorite. Don't be, hey, Kelly, Kelly, yes. don't be trying to show me up with your intelligence right now. My, You're embarrassing my, me. my fancy math of season three can only, one and two can come before it. Yes, I'm a very fancy math girl. Um, that's what they call us here at Vanderbilt. Um, so seriously, I, it was my favorite show, right? Just like everybody else, right? So it was my favorite show. I was obsessed with it. And of course, what's hilarious, right, is I thought I was an expert on the show because I'd watched, right, every episode of season one and every episode of season two. And now that there's people that have seen every episode of all 40 seasons or however many they've had, like clearly I was no expert. But at the time I was young and I felt like I knew everything. So that was why I felt like I deserved to go on it. Though in retrospect, right, I had no physical skills whatsoever. I couldn't swim. I still can't swim. So it's lucky that we were in Africa where there was really no swimming to kind of, for me to drown myself on national television, which I guess was my plan. Um, and I mean, I, yeah, like I said, I just went because it was my favorite show and I was young enough to, and naive enough to believe I could, uh, kick ass. So you applied just one time. I did. I applied just one again. That was just season three. I was also too young. I would have applied for season two. That's right. Okay. Um, but at the time you had to be, you had to be over 21 to go on the show. And I was under 21 when they were casting season two and season one, you know, I didn't know it was a thing until season one hit the airwaves. So if I had known it was a thing and I had been of age, I would have applied for season one. So it was just the one time. And uh, yeah, we made it worth it. I thought it was a ton of fun hanging out with you and the rest of the crew. Kelly, have you ever thought about how the uh, in, in terms of I don't know how closely you follow what goes on with the show now, but I, I feel like that had had you played now, uh, I feel like that you are somebody that Twitter would be standing. I feel like that you have a, a lot of support on the social media. I take that as a huge compliment. I've never actually worked through that thought experiment of like how people would react to me now that the consumption of media is so different than it was in 2001. I mean, I just remember when I was on in 2001, the things people would like the kind of trolling I got on the internet was kind of amazing, right? Like people made some sort of meme, but they weren't called memes at the time. But what we would now know is a meme of a white albino ferret. And it said something like, I would, I would compare Kelly, a true start. I would compare Kelly Goldsma to a white ferret, but that wouldn't do justice to Deeper the white ferrets. ferret. I mean, more power to ferrets and all, but yeah, I'm like 22 at the time. No one goes on national television, hoping they're going to get compared to an albino ferret. So that's really, that's my strong visceral memory of how the audience reacted to me when I was on the show. So anytime anybody ever says anything nice about me, like T-Bird's introduction or just the comments I've seen on Reddit, like anytime anybody ever says anything nice about me, I am, I'm surprised and delighted because in my, in my little black heart, the whole world still thinks of me as a white ferret. So this is great. How in the world? Hey, Rob, can you believe that we've got ferret in another podcast? I know. What are the chances? Yeah. What are the chances? Yeah. All right. So Kelly line. G, Kelly G, <laughs> the finals week in L.A., this, this is what I want people to hear. The finals week in L.A., I heard yeah. that in your interview with the CBS execs, Probst and Moonves, mm -hmm. you had on a skirt and they asked you to do push-ups during That's your, true. kind of that final week. So tell us That's a little true. bit something about that. It's actually, I mean, it's, it was like my hell. It, it Maybe if they could have actually constructed my nightmare, this would have been it. So I was not wearing a skirt. I was wearing um, like little bike shorts and a, a sports bra type thing. I'd been at the gym, you know, and I don't work out, right? I haven't worked out. I don't know when, maybe ever in my life. So I, I only went to the gym in the finals because I felt like you were supposed to. And I felt like I wouldn't get cast if I didn't show up at my gym time. So I go to the gym and I don't even know what to wear to the gym. Right. So I'm wearing this like little sports bra and these shorts thinking maybe I should try. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I also look like 
terrible in a ponytail, which I then had to wear the whole time I was on Survivor, which was a bad plan on my part. But so I'm wearing this ponytail, which is my hell. I have no makeup on, which is my hell. I'm wearing this silly sports bra outfit, which is my hell. And I'm walking on the treadmill with weights because mm-hmm. I don't know what you're supposed to do in the gym. And in my head, this was something a girl <laughs> might might do at the gym, right? So I'm walking on the treadmill with these like two pound weights, which looks friggin' ridiculous. And then they're like, Kelly, you need to come in and talk to, it's like your final interview. I'm like, shit. And I'm in this, sorry if I, you're not allowed to swear you're on fine. this podcast. You're fine. Okay. So I, I, I go to this thing. It's like Les Moonves and Jeff Probst and Mark Burnett. And I'm wearing this God awful outfit. My hair's in this ponytail and I have no makeup on. So this is my, my actual hell. Again, knowing that I was trying to get on this show, I should have thought through the fact that maybe I didn't want everyone in America to see me in a ponytail with no makeup on wearing a sports bra, but that's fine. So I, I go into this thing and then they say, you know, they're trying to interview me and they're trying to push my buttons. And, and I had positioned myself as being very bitchy. Like that was a, a big part of the way I was trying to sell myself. But as, as was pointed out to me by the psychologist, like I'm not actually that bitchy in real life. Um, I'm a little sassy, right. But I'm not like mean spirited or anything. So they're trying to push my buttons and I'm just not being the sort of bitch that they had expected based on the way I was trying to market myself. And then I don't remember who of the bunch, but somebody is like, I don't think you look very strong. Like you should just like show us a push up. And I never even tried to do a push up before in my life. Like, I don't know the position you're supposed to hold. I don't know where to put my hands. I have a vague idea from like eighties movies. I've seen maybe what it's supposed to look like, but I, I don't know. Right. So I like get on the floor and I'm sure I'm shaking. Right, I'm just compl- I'm like, well, this is where it ends. Now I go home like it's all over. So I'm trying to I couldn't even do one push up. I, I, I did. I, number one, I don't even know if I was in remotely the right position. Maybe they cast me just because they thought I was so clueless. It would be funny to see what happened on television. But that is that is a true story. They asked me to do a push up and I could not deliver even but one push up. So for anyone listening out there that's thinking they're too weak to go on Survivor, let Kelly Goldsmith be a beacon of hope that even the weakest among us can get cast on the show. <laughs> That's a great story. Kelly, this is what I'm thinking. You know, Big Brother, Amazing Race, Survivor, all cast by the same casting department, as you are fully aware, right. since you worked for the casting yes. department, I think, in 2004. Yes. 2004. Yes. And you actually, yeah. I believe, casted for the Amazing Race 6. So this is yes. what I'm wondering. And Survivor, Out of yeah. these three sh- and Survivor. But this is what I'm thinking. Out of these three shows, I know you visited 35 countries. Is that right? I, I don't. I lost track. Girl, listen, you are. I again, I'm going to have you show up everywhere I go. I think so. Let's just assume that's right. All right. Sure. All right. All right. So Amazing Race would fit you pretty well. But I think you would be kicking it like crazy on Big Brother. Don't you think, Rob, she would um, be like ideal for Big Brother? Are you um, watching it? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, now, hold on. No, Kelly, Kelly you've yes. been to 35 countries. That's what that was the fact. I have. I think I've been more, more like 40 at this point. I've been to a bunch of countries. I bet my my travel was front loaded, right? Like I really haven't been anywhere since about 2004. But man, prior to 2004, I had a really impressive passport. Did you travel with the Amazing Race production? Is that? No, uh, no, no, no. I just my my dad is one of the top frequent flyers on American and a handful of other airlines. So we had free tickets as a family. I mean, that's sort of upside, the upside, not not the name drop. Um, yeah, Rob, Delta. We like Kelly Delta Green. on this podcast. With Delta. Delta. That's okay. I love you. T-Bird, I, I would fly anywhere with you, T-Bird. This is just my, my silly dad flew an American because they were the first to have a frequent flyer program. And so we had free flights and I went a lot of places as a kid. Um, but yeah, no. And then my, I quickly became less impressive after I started grad school. Okay. But no, I never traveled right, with Amazing so Grace, really- but that was, 
Okay, but back to Big Brother. T-Bird, so, to your question. I would love to go on Big Brother. That okay. said, my cousin is Chris Roach, who's one of the executive producers, ah. which happened totally independently. But we really? are we are bio, we are biological cousins. Yes. Um, and I, I strongly remember like I, my time on Survivor had just ended and he just got to L.A. and he was working in writing for the uh, WWE. Yes. He was writing for World Wrestling. And uh, we were both kind of like one upping each other. And then lo and behold, he went on to kick a lot of ass. So I'm very proud of my cousin and the trajectory that he's had. Do you watch your cousin's show? Periodically, not that often. Um, I don't want you guys, you know, it's awful. We moved. This is so embarrassing. And of course, I'm saying it on a podcast. We moved in uh, March and I don't have cable anymore. So I just read books now like cord a cutter. nerd. I'm a cord cutter. I'll come back. I'll come. Back. I'm also like really cheap. I'm in a cheap phase in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so until like the money truck pulls up to my house and, and makes a big drop off, I, I may just stick with books for a while. But um, but as a, as Chris's cousin, I do. I do owe it to him. I need to get back to it. OK. Oh, Kelly. So, Kelly, you just segued into the reading thing. So you have read 88 books since August. Is that correct? Well, we're now on, we're now on 93. So actually, maybe it's even 95. I've read a crap ton of books. I'm happy to send you guys the list. Um, yeah, and, and getting rid of cable really helps with that. Like something had to fill the void. So I've been in it to win it with the reading. How do you go through 93 books? And I have kids and I work full time. So the, the short answer is you have to basically do it whenever you have any spare time. So like I always have my earbuds in if I'm doing the dishes or doing the laundry or, uh, you know, I have this sounds weird, but this is just true. I will play the, you know, audiobook in the shower. So I do audiobooks. I should ah. I, I don't actually basically read that. I this started because I have a bookshelf full of books that were just staring me in the face, making me feel guilty and illiterate. Like I, I joke that I didn't read a book since I started grad school, but there, there's some truth in it. It just, it's hard to find the time. So once I started doing audiobooks, and especially then once I cut cable, I have been on a tear. I'm happy to send you guys the list though. The good news about not reading books for almost two decades is like, there's a lot of really great books to catch up on. So they're, I mean, they're, I got plenty, I could do another hundred. There's plenty more to go. Do you fiction or nonfiction? It's all nonfiction business and psychology books. I try oh. to, yeah, I try to do stuff that wow. I could use in class. Also, like I've got a backlog of books that I should have read as a grad student or I should have read as a professor, like things like, you know, the seven habits of highly effective yeah. people or how to make friends and influence yeah. people or, you know, all that kind of good yield timey business school stuff. So I've been just plowing through all that. You know, it's I, been great. I love that stuff. Yeah, I would love the list. Yeah, I'll send it to you. It's, I have a Goodreads page, actually. So, Rob, what is your bedside table now, Rob? What book do you have on your bedside table before you go to bed? Uh, yeah, yeah, there, there is a uh, no, no, I have a no book policy in the bedroom, T-Bird. Okay, that's right. All right. Okay, got it. Okay, so Kelly, no listen to this. This was, I, I've got to throw this one book that I, that I just finished now. I'm not a voracious reader like you. However, I love this book. It's Make Your Bed. Have you read that by Admiral William? You What's it called? By Admiral William McRaven, Make Your Bed. Oh, I, I like bed. the thought behind it. Yeah. Make your bed. Why not? I, um, and it's, and it's, it's real short. It's like 80 pages, big writing, and it's really encouraging. So make your bed by Admiral William okay. McRaven. It's really great. So Kelly, listen, okay. Let yes. me just tell you one more bedside, one side, uh, bedside book story. So when okay. I met my husband, Glenn, who had never watched Survivor, Never watched Survivor. Nice. When I went to his house, this is the gosh honest truth. Went to his house. Guess, guess what book was on his bedside nightstand? 
Oh boy. Honest I, to I, goodness. Because this was this was I the sedge wave. No idea. Okay. What got you here won't get you uh, there in sales. Are you oh, such me? a good one. Such a good one. Right, so, You're like, so I know Rob, that guy. That book, I know that Rob. The book Rob was is a, by an award-winning speaker, a New York Times bestselling author. His name is Marshall Goldsmith, which would That's be my daddy's dad. Yeah. Is that oh, okay. cool beans or what? So yeah. Really he like is... You're following in, in his footsteps. Oh, our, our, thank you. That's, that's kind. I take that as a big compliment, but our, our footsteps are pretty different, right? So he, um, he has a PhD in organizational behavior and I also got a PhD through a business school, mine being in marketing. But I think where we split ways is like, he was an academic, uh, in a business school as well. But then after just a couple of years, like he could not stand the faculty meetings or anything about the sort of tedium of academia. Whereas I'm like meetings, you say, this sounds fantastic. Let's fill our day full. So, uh, we definitely have different kind of personalities in that way. So I'm, I'm perfectly content as an academic, whereas he was like, he's like a show pony always on the road. He just was gone for three weeks and like Switzerland and Russia and he's Kuala Lumpur, right? Just all over the world. And still, I mean, he's, you know, in his seventies and he still is just, just lighting him up and knocking him down. So, um, I hope to have that much energy ever in life, right? Like I, if I go away for a one day conference, I come home and feel really sorry for myself, but he somehow manages to keep it going. So it's super impressive. But so this is all to say, like we have, we definitely have areas of overlap, but, um, but we're distinct in terms of our approaches to work, I think. Okay. Yeah, but what Kelly got G, you here I mean, won't get you there is the name of the book. Yeah, that's but, his book. Yeah, he'll but, but Rob, but but her dad has written quite a few best selling. He's you know yes. he has times right, Kel. I mean, yeah, he lot. has. Trick, I will as, as someone who's been on this business book bender. Um, what got you here won't get you there is his best, the best selling of all his best selling books. But Triggers, in my opinion, is a really, really excellent book too. It also was a New York Times bestseller, but I think it's even better than What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And then he, and this is not me shilling for my dad. I'm sincerely you saying this. I, is I think I've read that one. It's good. It's it has a like a leopard on the front. Yeah. And um, I'm looking at six copies that I had on my desk right now. And um, another one he has that just came out is called How Women Rise, which personally. I, I was skeptical as a woman, like, how does my dad know how to write about how women rise? Um, but I, so I was a very, very, uh, hard to convert audience member, but that said, I actually thought it was, it did a really nice job and it kind of addresses some of the uh, sort of gaps that, that the book lean in by Sheryl Sandberg, in my opinion, left open like that book. It's fine and all, but like taking business advice or career advice from a woman who's a billionaire is like taking advice from your prettiest girlfriend, like dating advice from your prettiest girlfriend. Like she's never suffered, right? She doesn't know. So you need to, you need to talk to people who are a little bit more realistic. And I think my dad's book, um, oddly has a slightly better perspective on that. Like it talks about race and it talks about age and talks about having families. And I was really, really impressed, um, by what he and his colleague Sally Helgeson were able to do with that one. So yeah, he's good stuff. I'm I'm super proud of him. Okay, Kelly, confirmed. Yeah, it is in my Audible library. Do it. Yeah, yes. it's good stuff. Okay. All right. So Kelly, but you gotta say you hope you have as much energy as your dad. You have twins at home. You have do. two. Avery and Austin are how how old are they? Four. Oh, they're so cute. They're they're, they're, they're four and a half. They're four. Yeah. They're four. Yeah. So come on. I mean, yeah. your dad's not running around with two four-year-olds at home and trying to be a professor and run a household and, and work out. Yeah, like he certainly do. is not. 
Oh, workout, please. No, he certainly is not. Um, like when he comes, his version of babysitting is showing my kids videos of himself on YouTube. So he definitely is not running around and, and chasing kids at all. But um, so thank you. I, I must have energy somewhere, I suppose, to get all that done. But it, it certainly doesn't feel like it. I'm pretty much always tired. But I will say one thing of uh, I learned from, you know, reading these, I think, like I said, I think it's 95, maybe at this point, business books. All these books say that you have to get up earlier in the morning if you want to kick ass at mm-hmm. life. And I was always like, Ah, that's like a moderated effect. Like some people are night people. Some people are morning people. I'm a night person. I'm the best at night. This is bullshit. Uh, and then one time as an experiment, I just started like winding back my alarm clock and realized like it is just objectively better to get up earlier in the morning, maybe especially if you're a parent. So now I get up at five in the morning and, you know, start kicking ass and taking names a little bit earlier on the clock. And it's it's been really good for me. There's so many good, there's so much you can learn about productivity. I can't even believe it. We're so lucky to live in this, day and age where we have access to so much information. It's great stuff. Kelly, when you, when you finished Survivor Africa and knowing, you know, the mm-hmm. position your dad is in with his notoriety, did you think about, or did you get an agent? Because you know how we knew how big Australia, Borneo and Australia had become. Did you get an agent? You know, not, not really is the short answer. Like I did go on some auditions when people were interested in me. I was living in LA, right? So it wasn't hard to find me, but I wasn't ever trying to be an actor per se, a lot of the gigs that people were interested in me for would be like hosting gigs. And I will say like, I, it would have been great if I had ever booked any that you would have ever heard of. But what happened to me, especially like the longer I was in LA and the more of these things I went on and the more you, you kind of realize what the, what they're looking for. Like a lot of these auditions would come down to me and another girl. And the, and like, I, I, I loved your introduction to but truthfully, like I have a little bit of a face for radio, right? Like they compared me to a white ferret for a reason. So like, it was always a, another girl who was super duper pretty. And then there was me who like kind of looks like a white ferret and is a little bit snarky and a little bit sassy, but like the, the hot chick always got it. So finally, so that I started to be like, maybe I need to, you know, think about going back to grad school, but really the death knell, uh, to my interest in that kind of career was, um, when you test for network, at least at the time, this is back in like 2003, when you would test for network, you'd sign, have to sign the contract. That's like, all right, if you book this gig, this is how much you're getting paid. And once I started to get to that phase and you realize like as, as a newbie, right? Like if I booked a hosting gig on the travel channel or whatever, right? Or VH1 at the time, right? So if I booked one of these hosting gigs, the amount I would get paid for like 13 weeks of work was so low that it was almost like this was never going to be a financially viable career for me. So, so again, number one, face for radio. Number two, not enough money. Number three, I got the hell back to grad school. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and probably a, a wise decision. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. I did like LA though. LA is a great place to live. So Kelly, let me ask you this. You all, I think I heard that you and your dad, since we were talking about Mr. Goldsmith here just a few minutes ago, you and your dad were asked to uh, to be on Blood versus Water. Is that correct? And if so, why didn't you do it? Well, so a first thing, so I don't know. I'm sure you guys have been down this path. You guys have probably been down this path way more with them than I have. But I feel like they put out a lot of feelers that make everybody feel special. And then like those things just don't always convert. So I've been approached, you know, loosely approached about a lot of these different reunions. But but at this point, I have a healthy degree of skepticism about how serious they are. So for Blood versus Water, I actually got, I didn't get approached about me and my dad. I got approached about me and my husband. And he was my fiance at the time. And I, 
Yeah. And it was Lynn. I think it was Lynn Spillman. Cause I had, you know, when you're engaged, I posted a lot of pictures of me and him on Facebook and she was like, Oh, your fiance is really cute. And we think you guys would be great. And I was, I career wise, it actually would have been a really good time for me to do it because like I had just come up for mid tenure review. And so I had a couple of years till I was coming up for real tenure review. And, um, and I was not teaching. I could have made it made sense, but my husband had a herniated disc in his back. Like he's in at this not recently before they contacted me. And there was just no way with his physical condition that he was going to be an option. So I kind of was like, well, maybe dad would do it, or maybe I could get my brother to do it. But my dad's schedule was too booked. And I think my brother, you know, they, I don't know they were interested in a brother sister combo from us. So that was it. So we went, we parted ways. All right. But then there was casting for the all-star season, right? That you quit Which, your job. The, the- Oh, yes. Oh, that was so grim. Yeah. So the first season of all stars. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that one was, um, that one was grim. So, I mean, I, I don't know if they would tell the story differently, but the way I remember it, yeah, I like, I got my, I was in LA, right? So I got my shots from their person. Like I got my physical, like I'm submitting all my stuff to them. Like, I think we are, we are locked and loaded for this Kelly going on survivor all-star thing. And we were supposed to leave everybody else left besides me on, uh, November 1st. So the Mm -hmm. day before was Halloween, which was a Friday, and I got a voicemail and it's like, hey, Kelly, I think it was Ellen or Lynn. Hey, Kelly, thanks for jumping through some extra hoops for us. You know, we're not going to need you for all stars, but, you know, great talking to you. Bye. Voicemail. And I'm like, what? And, you know, and it's after hours. And this is back in the day when I don't have everybody's cell phone. Right. This is back in whatever it was, 2003. Mm -hmm. So I don't have everybody's cell phone. It's their offices are closed by the time I get this voicemail. It's Halloween on Friday night. So I don't even know who to call. I'm looking at this bag I had packed, right? Like I think I'm leaving on Saturday. So I was, I was confused. So I had a kind of suspicion about other people that might be going. And I reached out and was able to get a phone number for one of the two casting people and follow up over the weekend to be like, uh, guys, like, remember when I thought I was a thing, but I guess now I'm not a thing. So can anybody provide some more information? And uh, luckily, I think I got them to feel sufficiently sorry for me that they brought me in. That was how I got the job in casting was they were like, oh, we got to give this girl somewhere to show up on Monday. Right. Yeah. So so that's how I which ended up being awesome. Honestly, like like I said, I I wish I would have gotten cut and got like a job out of uh, the whole experience. It was great. We got to work together. Um, It was, it was, I mean, the people that work in production there are amazing and interesting and grounded and it was really fun. It was a great job. So can I ask you then, do you know who was the other person that was on the bubble? Like were they just holding you back as an alternate? Yeah. Well, that's what I learned. I did. They never told me that. Right. I like to think of myself as the the first person voted off that season of all stars. Mm. But um, but it turns out I was an alternate. So they thought they thought Jenna from your season, Rob, might fail. And they thought uh, I'm going to get her name wrong. Sheehan from season five. Yeah. They thought she might bail. I guess she was giving them some contract issues. So between those two women, they thought for sure one of them wasn't going to work out. So technically I was an alternate. Um, but then they both went and and I stayed home. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I never knew that. So, Kelly, were, yeah. Yeah. were you mad? Were you upset, mad, disappointed? I mean, I'm sure you felt like all these emotions. I mean, not to, I'll tell you the truth. And this is something that, like, I don't think I ever told Lynn or anybody else. But so the 
they wanted to give me something to do on that Monday. Right. And so they had me come in and work in the mail room of the casting office where you're like opening up all of these envelopes. It's like, you're just manually sorting tapes. Like it's really, you know, manual labor. And so it's just me in this mail room, op- ripping open envelopes and sorting the tapes. And I was just sobbing all over myself as I'm like ripping open envelopes, like listening to the people editing the season. I think they were editing season eight. So I'm like listening to the editing and all this cool stuff's going on. And it's like, you get to hear all the sounds of the party, but no one's inviting you to go. And I'm ripping open these sad envelopes in a dark closet. Like, Oh God, I was, yeah, that sucked. But um, the good news was after I opened up all the envelopes that we did, once we started casting and like they brought in like four other women that were this girl, Carissa, who's amazing and Penny and um, Libby. And there was, there was five of us total. And we all worked in the same physical room. And we, it was just like, five girls having a great time watching videos, making jokes, eating sandwiches. Like once that all started, uh, the tears dried up pretty quickly. Cause it was, it was a great job. Hey Rob, I got to ask you this. Cause when she yeah. said the mail room, what did I think of right away was elf when he's in the mail room. Cause his dad mm-hmm. says, and please tell me you both have seen elf. You have. I know oh yes. 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 For sure. That's exactly what it reminded me of seeing you down in the mail room with elf. Okay. Great. It was, it was <laughs> like you that, but less dancing. <laughs> there was yeah. no elaborate dance drinking? number. Yeah. Uh, probably I was young, right? Like I, I definitely would they had, I will give that office credit. They had wine Fridays at the time where they'd like bring around a cart with a bunch of random cheap wine on it. And you could get drunk on Fridays, which I was a big fan of at age, whatever it was, 23. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Did you and cast you so- anybody notable? Like, was there anybody that, you, uh, that you, uh, feel like that you deserve oh some credit gosh. in discovering? Well, I just don't want to leave anybody out because I really did like all my people so much. Um, I feel like I should pull up the cast. But um, Brooke Garrity was somebody that I cast. He was voted off the season first. But that guy, I loved him. I cast five people for that season. Um, I will say sometimes when because one of my territories was L.A. So like Amy Cusack was technically someone I cast, but she was already in the system. So like technically she was my person, but Mm -hmm. wasn't like I discovered Amy Cusack. They were, she she was on the radar screen from before. Uh, Julie Berry was one of my people who I also yeah. loved good she one. was such a such an easy sell and that because you have to pitch your people right like at various stages of the process you know as the casting person you have to advocate for them um and julie berry was always an easy one to convince people to put on the show mm-hmm. and then wait i had two more i think they were all women let me pull up the cast what was that season nine vanuatu yeah right. so what a, all right so what about brady finta what he yours that guy is in real life he is crazy good looking and uh then he goes on the show and he like wore a hat the whole time and didn't talk like all of us in casting were so bummed that like he did not deliver on on the gifts god gave him because he was super duper cute in real life um but yeah no he was one of my people but again brady finta was easy because he someone in casting knew him and because he was an fbi agent and because he was so insanely handsome in real life like it wasn't like you had to sell brady finta to get him on the show Mm -hmm. eliza eliza orleans was on that one she was totally not mine scout no maybe scout was cloudly twiler I'm looking at the cast right now. Definitely Amy. Definitely Brady. Definitely Brooke. Chad. Chad was mine too. Okay. I don't know how I forgot him. So yeah, they were all great. What about the the winner? What about the winner? Chris. Yeah, Chris was definitely not mine. So I had five. So I had, um, okay. Yeah. I had Amy, Brady, Brooke, Chad, and then, um, Julie Berry. Those were my five. I bet Probst was happy with your Julie Berry find. Oh, I don't think we talk about that anymore. T-Bird. Oh, oh, well, okay. Wait. We can edit. It can be edited. 
Wait, can I tell a story about it? Is uh, it are we like not allowed to okay, speak of it? Okay, well let's we'll it, let's see where it goes. Is it a dark secret? Well, okay, I, I thought people knew about that, but anyways, um, so this is my my sort of funny story. Is like I said, you have to pitch your people right at every different stage, and I'm you know you guys have seen Survivor. Like I'm competitive, and so I wanted to like be the casting person that gets the most people on the show. So I was of all the casting people, maybe the most aggressive in pitching her people. And when I was pitching uh, Julie Berry, so you first had, at least this is the way they did it at the time, you first have to get them by the production company, which at the time included Jeff, right? So you're pitching all your people, you have everybody up on a board. And I was talking about Julie Berry and I'm like, she's tough and she's hot and she's in it to win it, but she's down to part. Like, I'm just going on and on and on and on. And then the room goes quiet and Jeff Probst goes, Kelly, you're so full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which i mean and then you know they kind of hit it off so i thought not so full of shit after all yeah okay so there we go found a good so, one so we'll put that on you were, you were like making it up did he just think you're like making uh, it up as you went on, on no Julie? i think i was like overselling it right mm-hmm. like i was like she's oh, okay. everything she's hardworking, but she's sweet and she's kind but she's mean like i was just really aggressively <laughs> pitching her <laughs> And I mean, at my core, I am, of course, right, full of shit. So he's not wrong. But yeah. um, but I like to think that in the end, he recognized value where I recognized value. OK, Kelly, uh, what, what's your relationship uh, like with T-Bird these days? Because uh, really, it was T-Bird and uh, was uh, T-Bird's actions in Survivor Africa, which inadvertently ended up leading to you being voted out of the game when you were because it was not you that cast a vote against Lex, which a lot of people thought was you. And in fact, it was somebody else that I know very well. It was T bird. (laughs) I would like to begin by saying, uh, yes, T bird. Clearly our relationship, I feel like is sexually charged. Right. So I feel like she, she messages me on Twitter. I get this vibe. I was expecting, you know, I, I feel like there's a connection there and, you know, I just think, you know, if we were in the same city, who knows? Um, no, I'm just, I'm sort of kidding. I'm not totally kidding. I'm just a little bit kidding. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit kidding. Uh, whatever. I think Kelly, is this true? Is this true? Kelly? Have we, I, I mean, this is definitely unfinished business for us. We have we gotta get this out in the open right now. We have never okay. I don't believe we've ever discussed the vote before, right? Okay. Have we? I I don't I in don't know. Years? Maybe not. Let's do it now. Okay, yes. Well, Let's talk about it. Say, Wait a second. So I I never knew that you were getting thrown under the bus because your group, Lex and all your clan, I wasn't included in anything. So I never knew at all who he thought did it. Because I wasn't in on the group ever, never. So if I had known that you were going to be thrown on the bus, would I have done anything differently? Oh, I'm not sure I would have. But that being said, I never knew. I never knew you were going to be thrown under the bus. I never knew or I could have tried to uh, do something to try to mix it up a little bit. But you know what happened? You could be a little bit upset with me. But what about Brandon? Because Brandon's the one that actually. Oh, true. What, what, a, what a survivor move. Throw somebody else under the bus. That was wise. That's good marketing. Uh, okay, tactical. That was, but, but, but Kelly G, didn't Brandon yes. was the one that flipped? We had Lex going. We had Lex going. I never knew I that, they were, that Lex and them were going to throw you. And then Brandon changed it all. He, he changed and went with Lex's side. That, can you imagine, Kel? 
if that one vote had to stay the same, who, what you guys, it would have changed everything. I, I will say what, well, I mean, I don't know. Like at this point, looking back like 19 years later, I mean, I'm just glad we made not to be whatever. Right. But I don't think anybody's going to argue with this. Like our season was not the, the most kind of firecracker page turner type season, right? Like our season was dry and arid and a little bit boring sometimes. So I'm just glad that we made some excitement and if Brandon flip-flopping made it a little bit more exciting, you know, night. I mean, you know, at the time, of course I was really upset, but 19 years later, I'm just glad we made something worth watching. I mean, I'm not I'm, less exciting. Well, I don't know. Right. I think I, it, it would have been very cool. I will say like having gone through and trolled the internet to see what people say about me <laughs> pretty much every day. Um, it, it's nice when people talk about Africa and say that it was the first, it was the first season that kind of made survivor history in that we tried to like wage a coup, which in the moment, I don't think we recognize the significance of that. But, but in retrospect, I actually think that that's pretty cool. And I think if we had pulled it off, our season would have gotten more credit for that than we actually ended up getting. So that, that, yeah, that would have been neat. And then instead of being like eighth, I would have been like fifth and imagine the money and prestige that would have accompanied that. I almost can't wrap my brain around it, mm -hmm. but, um, but I'm not, I, like I said, I'm not, uh, now that I've heard T-Bird wouldn't do it any differently. I may, I don't know if our sexual chemistry is still going to be there, but I think probably, um, no, I'm not, I definitely, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too mad at anybody. Right. Like my, my kids are now very like someone in their daycare found out that I was on survivor. Uh, cause I told them. And so now my kids know I was on it. And so they want to watch it. <laughs> And, um, I mean, like you meet me for three seconds, I bring it up. So it, my, my kids have seen little clips of it and, um, you know, going back and looking at it, even at the time, cause like on YouTube, people pull quotes of me saying things that seem to them to be a little bit bitchy to me. I'm like, no, I was just kind of telling it like, I don't think it's that bitchy, but whatever. So, um, I was talking about somebody, I was talking about Lex, I think. And I was talking about how like, oh, cause I thought he was being sycophantic. Like I thought he was kissing up to people and I thought, oh, can't everybody see through this? And isn't everybody else really annoyed by this? But even like, you know, me understanding the 22 year old Kelly Goldsmith, right? Like, I don't think I was mad at him about it. I just like, I understood that it, that was his strategy and I was okay with people engaging in a strategy because we were all on survivor to try to win. And I understood that part of the game. So, I mean, I don't think you or Brandon or anybody putting themselves first and doing what they thought they needed to do to win is, is something anybody can be too mad about. That's the whole point. Right. So again, this is like with 19 years between me and the actual event, but, uh, but no, I think it's fine. Hey, at least I didn't get voted off first. So Kelly, right. Kelly, if you had been, if you had been over on my tribe to start with, would you have been part of the brat pack? Would you have been, I mean, I know you and Kim P live together and I know you guys seem to have bonded pretty good. Um, but do you think you would have been over there with Kim and Brandon and Lindsay and Silas? And did you get along with Lindsay just that short period? Oh, I mean, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to speak ill of anybody. Um, you know, that's really tough to say. I think, I, I mean, I love Kim. And I think when I first met, really the first time I met a lot of them was when the, we did that flop flip flop thing. And, um, and it was nice to see people my own age, you know, like there, we had more, we had certain things in common that I didn't have in common with everyone on my tribe, right? Like Ethan and I were close in age, but he played it really close to the vest and we never really got to know each other that well, even though we spent a lot of time together. So, I mean, it was nice to be with people who are a little more expressive and kind of a little, not to be whatever, but a little bit more fun. Like they seemed a little bit more fun. Um, that said, like I never 
as they could have been, it didn't really matter to me how charming they were because when I went over, when we switched over, you know, me and Tom and Lex had a strategy and I wasn't going to deviate from that. Like they could have been infinitely more charming and I still wouldn't have been tempted. So I think I, I I would like to think that had I been on your team, T-Bird, I, or tribe, I would have done whatever made the most sense for me strategically. I don't, I, I would assume that would have been siding with, with you guys personally. Um, but I don't know. I, I would have, I would have had to make the decision in the moment. Yeah. What do you think? So, you, know, you are so mature. I, you know, I actually kind of believe her really because Kelly at 22, I mean, you came in as what a behavioral analyst. I mean, I, you were so mature and you were, oh, there girl. and you knew, and you, and you knew the game where I think, you know, the other, I think Kim P kind of got pulled into that because once she broke yeah. away from them, I could see she was there to play. So I really think that you're, I, I agree. I think you're absolutely right. I think, I think we would have gotten along quite well together, especially with that sexual tension that's been there all these years. Exactly. You've mentioned. Exactly. Yeah. Try as I might, I, I, Silas and me were never going to make out. So that was never going to happen. I don't think I ever made out with him. Somebody else I know did, but not me. Um, and no, Kim was lovely. Lindsay and I, I mean, it wasn't you. No, I'll have to think back on it. So many nights at the Saddle Ranch Trap House, man. The early 2000s of being on a reality show, like those are those are years I'm glad I don't ever, for the sake of my liver, I'm glad I don't have to redo them. But man, those were fun times. Kelly, I, I know a lot of people remember your final tribal council. I, I believe uh, Brian Gumble even compared Ugh. you, gave you the Sue Hawk Award for the final well, tribal council. I'll take that as a compliment any day. Continue. Yeah. Uh, and you asked the final two of, of Ethan and Kim Johnson to pick a number mm-hmm. between yes. one and 1,000. And it was uh, famously the number Ooh. 568, which was the hotel room in the in the graduate. Yeah. Um, what Was that for real? Because I know that other people have asked uh, a person to pick a number and then they just give it to the person that they want that they wanted to. That was sincerely the, the, it, on the level. I would have stuck with it. But that said, I also was supremely confident that Ethan was going to win. So I wasn't like too stressed about my own vote. Um, so, so the short answer is, yeah, I would have stuck with it, but, um, I, I, in my head, it, it wouldn't have mattered that much, but you guys, in terms of like, I, I generally don't have any regrets about the show survivor, except for maybe the tribal council speech, which I do feel like the, the sad part is I thought about like, that is such a testament to someone overthinking something, right? Like I, I, cause I was the first person in the jury. So I had so long to think about what I was going to say. And I brought the book, the graduate with me. Uh, it was like in my bag. So it was there at the Ponderosa. So I'd been reading it and like, I, it was in my head, it was genius. And I think in real life, it just read as crazy. So mm-hmm. if, if I could do it over again and the Sue Hawk comparison I take is totally favorable. Like that's, that's a compliment. I've heard much nastier things that are probably also deserved. Um, yeah, it, it just, it was nuts. So, you know, if I could do anything over again, it would probably be that I'm not, I'm not mad at myself for being like mad at Ethan or Kim or Lex. Like, I think that's all justified and deserved just that specific delivery i find i find to be still questionable what was it that you were upset with them about that they that they turned their back on you that they thought that you uh cast the vote for lex and didn't believe you you know that wasn't i'll tell you what if i'm being honest and this is a person that's easy to throw under the bus because she's like vanished into obscurity but you know kim johnson and i were very close (laughs) 
like she's she and I were very very close like we she's telling me like like I'm like her daughter and like I mean we were really really close and and she had always kind of told me that like she she didn't really trust women normally and she was much more of a guy's girl and she liked guys better than girls but she was okay with me and I just I was young and I looked up to her a lot like she had this great plastic surgery she looked amazing for her age and I was like maybe one day I, you know if I too make money I can look like you so I really like I don't I don't mean that's a slam like I I, I I I still I would still pay money for a lot of her body parts like she looked good she looked so good I mean really so I I thought I thought we had a, a pretty tight bond and I mean and she really flipped on me very quickly. And that, I mean, I was 22 and as much as I thought I was like a tough guy, which I thought at the time, I'm now I realize I wasn't then and I'm definitely not now, but I thought it, you know, it really hurt my feelings. And so I think that I was kind of bitter about that. And then the Lex thing, you know, I, I, what's funny in retrospect, it, like at the time I thought I was very clever, right? Like in some of those, whatever testimonials or those interviews, you could tell, I thought it was pretty clever, but I really felt like I was good at hiding how I felt about people. Like I knew I wasn't that crazy about the way Lex was presenting, but I didn't think that Lex knew I felt that way. And now that I have a little bit of like uh, more age under me, I realized like, you know, you're not that clever. Like when you don't like somebody, mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious. Like I wasn't that slick. Right. And so I, nowadays I, I get it. And I, I get even why he would have thought that I did it. Or even if he didn't think that I did, it, I get why he would have wanted to get rid of me. Cause I'm sitting there being kind of a grouchy Gus, clearly not liking him. So like, there's, there's, you know, I was putting a target on my back, even though at the time I, I didn't realize it. Like at the time I thought I was too clever to be giving all that away. But, uh, but now I realize I am just not that clever. <laughs> all right. So Kelly, mm -hmm. if the final two, instead of it being Mama Kim and Ethan, okay, I'm going to give you a couple of different scenarios. If the, if it had been Mama Kim and Lex, uh, who would you have voted for? You know, I probably would have voted. It's tough. I probably would have voted for Kim because of some weird Stockholm syndrome. Like I really liked her and I really felt like she liked me too. And so even though I felt betrayed by her more than Lex in a lot of ways, I, I probably still would have voted for her. All right. What about Ethan and Lex? I would have voted for Ethan for sure. Ethan's a good guy, right? Like right, what about my biggest con on Ethan. Yes, he is. Yeah, I mean, my big, and Ethan and I are like, he did, he was one of the clients in my class this past year. Like I, as adults, I really like him. My biggest con on Ethan when we were on the show was, I mean, he just like didn't talk a lot, right? Like he played it really close to the vest, which honestly, in retrospect, I was probably jealous of because that's just never been my way of being able to operate. Right. So yeah, I had nothing. Right. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't do anything wrong though. Right. Like his, he just was, he was playing a good game. Okay. Who's next? What's the next comparison? All right. Ethan and Tom. Well, that's tough. I really liked Tom. Um, I, I really don't know. Um, that's tough. I don't know. Cause I mean, right, Tom, about Mama Kim, Mama Kim, Mama Kim, about Mama Kim and Tom. That's tough too. Um, those are tough because hey, you T bird. How come you don't answer any of these questions? Cause nobody asked me. <laughs> okay. If it was T Bird, well, if it was T Bird versus Frank, I would have voted <laughs> no, for T Bird. No, not to, with T Bird. I, I want to know what the, if T Bird would vote for any of these other people. You have to say at oh, the time, yeah. at the time at the time. Yeah. Would you have voted for Kim oh, I, or Tom? Oh, I know, I know, I know. One hundred percent. Every combination you give me, every combination you give me is going to be Lex. He played the game. All right, but this one, I, this I, one is it, Tom it, versus Mama Kim. 
uh, Big Tom. He played the game more than Mama Kim. I mean, I wanted somebody to win that was playing the game. Play it, play right. it, play it. And Lex, I mean, I mean, Lex had, you know, I didn't want to be told what to do. I didn't want somebody to tell me how to vote. That's why I was going. Lex was the one I had to get off. He was, yeah, he was my kryptonite. He had to go. But if I couldn't win, he was the one at that point at the end that was playing the game. He wasn't afraid to do what he needed to do to win. He won all the challenges at the end where I couldn't get him out. Right. He's hands down who I would have voted for. One thousand percent. OK, well, thank goodness it didn't come to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you just hung out with them. I saw that on social media. I know it. I went to Big Tom's this weekend and saw um, Lexa Big Tom and Donathan was there. Tanya was there. Guess who I met for the first time? Johnny Crazy Fairplay. I met Johnny Fairplay. Um, I met Matt Bischoff, you know, his yeah. podcast partner. It was very crazy cool. But to see Lex and Big Tom, Kelly, you know, it doesn't matter how much time that yeah. goes by. When you do such an amazing adventure with a group, you're connected. Yeah. Once the show and the game is over, you're connected forever. That's why, Kelly, even though, you know, you and I haven't talked for a while, for me to pick up the phone or call you or text you is so comfortable for me because, you know, we went through all that together. So it feels like just yesterday that I talked to you. And I feel like we have Very this neat. lingering yeah. attraction to each other, which makes it all make sense. I understand. Yeah, and, completely. And then there's and then there's that. and then there's that. So yeah. definitely. Hey, but so so and then there's that. So, Kel, mm-hmm. tell them about the final four immunity challenge, that controversy, because this is pretty cool. And I don't know if a lot of people know about this. The controversy about that one question, about the piercing? which female contestant? Yes. You guys, I'm- Tell that story. It's great. You're so funny. I um, I, I feel like nobody else in the world is going to care about this, but you are so sweet to ask it. But you guys, I, I Google stalk myself so much. And so I, basically, long story longer, I don't, even, I don't even know. I don't know how to tell this story in a way that makes me look cool. Like I'm struggling and I can't come up with any way. So I'm just going to tell it in the true way, which is that my name is Kelly Goldsmith and I Google stalk myself all the time. Okay. So I um, but blah, blah, blah. I have my own <laughs> website and I keep one. I keep trying to change the SEO so that the website comes up earlier on the Google search, but it just won't. So like in order to find my own website, I've got to go to like page eight <laughs> of the Google output. Right. But what's right around my own website is like what always comes up is articles about this controversy about the belly button ring or the piercing situation, right? And what the controversy was, and because it, it's like CBS loses $200,000. Basically, they one of the questions, they did this like, how well do you know your tribe mates things? And one of the questions was, um, who on your tribe or like who in the game had no piercings? And, and, the, and somebody said me, which I had no piercings, that's true. And then somebody else said, Lindsay, yeah. but, but, CBS. Kim Johnson. Kim Johnson said you. Kim Johnson said you. Yep. And Lex said Lindsay. Right. And what um what CBS apparently didn't know was Lindsay also had no piercings. And so, you know, they ended up having to pay out Lex more money because he was actually right. And so that, yeah, that was the scandal. All right, but do you know what do you remember when it happened when the scandal broke? Was it at the we finale? The yeah. Room. Yeah. yeah. Yes, at the finale. Yeah. We were in the green room at the finale when they asked the question because we're all watching the screen, and all of a sudden, Lindsay says, 
I don't have any piercings. And Lex, I mean, this would have changed his whole game. Right. This changed his game for him maybe getting getting further into the game. Right. So, oh, it was happening there. And I thought, oh, dear Lord, what's going to happen here? So this is, I mean, very interesting, very controversial. Absolutely. And you can see Lex, true competitor that he is. Right. Or anybody would have said, hey, wait a minute. What are we going to do about this now? We got right. to go redo Africa. Oh, my gosh. Play the season again. Oh, my gosh. Hopefully not. <laughs> For my sake, gosh, I, well, I would just be, I'd get voted up first. It'd be fine. Me and Diane would be hanging out, like drinking Mai Tais or whatever. Um, yeah, no, we're not doing Africa again. So Kelly, the, well, the big question is, do you have any piercings now or do you have no. any tattoos? I don't have anything. I'm, I'm Gen X, right? Like we're pre, pre everybody getting tattooed all the time. So, um, I mean, tattoos are much more mainstream now than they were when I was an adolescent. So, um, Gen X has some belly button piercings. Remember uh, the, remember the, the video with the Aerosmith video where, uh, Alicia Silverstone is going to, is she get, that's like the, the big thing. Yeah. Well, actually, truthfully, I have had a piercing and this is, if you read my dad's book, what got you here, won't get you there. This story is prominently featured in the book that when I was 16, I left my cheerleading practice and I went to hip hair in Pacific beach and I got my belly button pierced (laughs) and, and I came home and I thought for some reason I'd be in less trouble if I showed it to my parents right away. So I showed them my belly button piercing and my dad just lost it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he was so mad. And so I'm like, Oh shit, girl. Like you gotta, you know, like you gotta get this at number one, you gotta get this thing out of your body. But number two, like you have to convince him that taking it out is so painful that like, he feels like that's enough punishment. Right. So I'm like putting on my best Meryl Streep act. Right. So I call hip hair and I say, can I have this removed? And they say, Oh, you can do it yourself. You just need to get pliers. And I'm like, Oh shit, this is, this is actually going to hurt. Right. So I, you had to use needle nose pliers to like pry it open and then pull it out which um, I proceeded to do screaming like at the top of my lungs, like writhing on the floor. So I was technically, I technically had a belly button pierce, but it wasn't for more than about six hours. And I never went, I never went back to, be- to piercing after that. Okay. All right. Uh, so the, 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 your end of the question still stands. Which is. No yes. piercings. Yeah. yeah no piercings. Still, that's, yeah. that's still right. No piercings. That's still right. Yeah. So, so Kelly, if if you played now, Kel, if you played now oh, at forty compared to age yeah. twenty two, yes, would you would you, I I so would you play again? And if you did, how would your game differ now that you're more mature, nice. mom to Avery and Austin, Professor Goldsmith? Yes, how would it change? Uh, I was actually thinking about that on my ride into work because I was wondering if you'd ask that question. Um, number one, I like I would lack all of the beautiful naivete and confidence that I had when I was 22. So I'd probably spend most of the time praying to not die. Um, that would be different. Um, <laughs> uh, would I do it again? The short answer is yes, but honestly, it's just because I am cheap, right? Like I am so, I mean, again, this is going to sound a little bit bad, but like I am money hungry, right? Like, and I always have been, I love money. Right. So, and this, you know, I, Survivor, even if you get kicked off, it's not a bad way to get some some quick cash, right? So I would, it would be hard to leave my kids for that long. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it would be hard to leave my kids for that long. But, but I, I mean, I would have like, I have a very hard time turning things down when they offer any sort of paycheck. So would I do it again? Probably. How would I do it differently? Most of the time I would just be spending like praying not to die. 
Um, I would probably wear a black suit cause that's what I wear to work in. So that would feel natural. Um, I don't know. I, like I said, I just would have to kind of like white knuckle the whatever boat and pray not to fall off and die in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that would be, that'd be most of my game. It would really be a game of survival. <laughs> Unlike the first time when I, I so, we were landlocked. Yep. Kelly girl, could, you can't swim now. I never could swim. Now that's all. Basically, there's half puzzles, half swimming, half swimming, half yeah, puzzles. Yeah, I know. Can you do puzzles? Hence, well, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm no dummy, right? So I'm pretty good at puzzles. Yeah. I'm assuming that they were, they're cognitively demanding. Then I would be okay at puzzles. Um, and I'm really, I'm still quite good at starving myself. So that would be a no problem. I'm no, I'm no stranger to sun damage. So throw me out in the sun. That's fine. Uh, but swimming in the physical exertion, <laughs> that would be a bit of an issue. So, um, and I know, like I said, I never could swim before all stars, which the, the season I did not go on. I took swim lessons. Like I got a swim coach, Kim powers, my roommate, and she can attest to it. We were like, I was swimming in this like tiny pool in our little apartment complex with a swim instructor trying to learn how to swim, but it's not like I got very, I mean, I'm not going to drown if you throw me in a pool, but like, on the other hand, if you had me swim from point A to point B in the ocean, I would be, I would lose, right? I'd be the last person if I made it at all, right? They'd probably have to throw some sort of buoy to me. So, um, so yeah, no, that would be mainly be trying to avoid death. Um, I also have to say, like, I have just been so again, mainly because not, not only because I was so trolled initially, am I grateful to anybody who ever says anything nice about me ever on the internet now, but in part, because I was so trolled initially, like, I think I, I would just be much more grateful this time around. Like I'm so grateful to the people that watch the show and anyone that ever thought anything I said was remotely funny. I'm very grateful to Um, anyone that ever thought, you know, complimented me on being a good game player. I'm very grateful to the other night again, when I'm trolling myself on the internet, as is my want um, or not trolling, but Googling myself. (laughs) I, um, so I'm like, on, again, I'm like on page eight or nine of my Google search the other night. And yeah. I come across this, this, this thread, <laughs> this true story. I come across this thread on Reddit called Kelly Goldsmith appreciation thread. And I realize it's not like from 2001, right? It's like kind of recent. So I'm like, Oh, what's this? So I pull it up and I'm reading through it. And these people are writing all these really nice things. I'm like, God, this is like the best night of my life. Right? Like I, all these times I've Googled myself was just for this moment right here. So I decided I'm going to write something and, <laughs> but it's like 1130 at night and I have no idea what to write. And I don't want to disappoint them, right? They're saying all these nice things about me. There's no way I'm going to write something that's like yeah. commensurate with other nice comments. So I write something like, oh, I just found these and these comments really warm my heart. And thank you guys for taking the time. Send. And then of course, all the comments back were like, ha ha, this isn't Kelly Goldsmith. And I was like, I give up. So I, I didn't go back to the Reddit no thread. But if anybody listening to this was on that Reddit thread, it really was me. And I really was grateful. Like that stuff, it just, it means a lot. I think it's, it's so kind of people anytime they write something nice about somebody else who put themselves out there on a reality show. So I would be, I would be much more appreciative this time around. Okay. Kelly, who, who is your doppelganger? Who is the player you think that plays most like you out there Girl, or that you compare yourself to? I have not seen the show since season nine. I warned you of this. So I don't have a deep and abiding survivor knowledge. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. You guys tell me. Okay. Well, I, I also okay. Totally didn't win. No, Rob, what do you think? Uh, a person that's played like Kelly. Um, you know. It's like Kelly, yeah. Uh, I feel like that there have been people that, you know, I, I think that we, we have people that bring snark, but then also people that know the game pretty well. But I think that Kelly is a pretty unique combination of the two. I'm taking yeah. that as a compliment. Definitely. Yeah, as uh, you should. I'm going to go with, I'm taking that as a compliment. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I'd have to go back and uh, and really think about that. Like I, I would say at first, like uh, somebody like a Courtney, but I feel like that she's probably uh, more uh, just the snark than the combination of the two. Kelly, you're in a you're in a division all on your own. Yeah, let's let, all by okay. They broke the mold with me. We'll just, yes, yeah, okay. Leave, so we'll leave it at that, Kelly. So this is uh, I think always fun. Uh, so you have not kept up with uh, what's what's been going on on the show. Uh, no. T-Bird, could you could you could you give Kelly a, a quick recap of the past season? Oh, dear Lord. OK, so, Kel. Yes. Since season three, Africa, okay. there has been so many things that have changed. I'm sure. So I'm just going to say. No, a just tell things. her season 38. Thing- just give her a season. Thir- we don't need the whole the whole history. Well, I'm just saying, all right, now there are a bunch of idols. Okay. A bunch of idols, immunity idols that are hidden. So usually once an idol is found, another one is hidden. Okay. So now it kind of, in my opinion, and Rob, you tell me what you think. It takes a little bit away from the social game a lot because people, after one is found and played at tribal council, which is good for tribal council because it mixes everything up and everybody's scrambling. Does somebody have an idol? I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. So the social game's crazy. It, it, because everybody's looking for idols all the time. Hmm. But season 38, they had an island where when you're voted out and you don't know about it, they didn't know about it till they were voted out. Pope snuffed their torch. They're walking down the path. Really sad, really sad. And then as you get to the bottom of the hill, it says, take, pick this torch if you want to go back in the game and go to the left and pick this torch if you want to go to the Ponderosa and your life adventure experience is over. Well, of course, every single person picked the torch up and they went to an edge of extinction and they waited to get back in the game or hopefully get back in the game because a little further down the line, they did a challenge to get back in the game. Now, Rob, you take it them from there and see how I'm doing. Kind of, yeah, Kelly, you, you got, you got all that up. so far. I'm, I'm following. I'm okay. following. So somebody came back into the game at the merge that was already voted out. And then gotcha. he, he went on to do really well. And well, he looked good. like that he was going to be the prohibitive favorite to win the game. But then at the final six, a different guy who was voted out even earlier came back into the game and then he went on to win Survivor what? the Edge of Extinction. What's crazy? Yeah. Well, good. I mean, you got to spice it up, right? Like, I think it's fine. Yeah. But it's interesting to me what you said about the social dynamic changing, because to me, that was really the part of the show. Like, I mean, it's not like I have to tell you guys this, right? But at the time, Survivor was the first show where people got voted off, right? That was really the con- the part of the concept that I was most attracted to, which is weird. But, like, it just seemed like such a bizarre social experiment to have to force people to, like, expel one another. And it was public and it was shaming and, like, what a weird thing to have to do. And so now if a lot of that kind of social aspect is getting kind of sidelined because everybody's individually seeking out these immunity idols, I, I don't know. I could see why that would be a... A little bit disappointing to the people that like the social game. See, that's interesting that you enjoyed the part of the show that was shaming, because I feel like then in your season, uh, did you not take a lot of exception to when the term the walk of shame was? I know, right? There you go. And you came back right with with a shirt. That's what shameless shameless. Which was actually quite clever. Um, I, I'm so proud. That shirt I'm proud of. This tribal council speech, not so much. Well, because I think what I resented personally was like, I knew that the people, the reason I had been voted out was kind of predicated on 
bullshit, right? Like if you're saying you vote me out because I threw this vote against Lex, like I, I, as I told, I don't even remember if this made it to air, but I told Lex, I was like, this will be on television. People will see I didn't do this, right? Like, you know, you can, if you want to get rid of me, that's fine, but don't pretend you're getting mid reef for this reason. That's not accurate, right? Like this will, the truth will be borne out. So I think that was kind of my, the inspiration behind the t-shirt making was really that I, I didn't feel like I had anything to be ashamed of because I felt like either I was being falsely accused, right? Which was like the nominal reason for getting rid of me, or there was some reason nobody's talking about, like Lex had an ego threat associated with the fact that I clearly was like, not a wholehearted supporter of his. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, and that was the reason for the t-shirt. I, I, you know, I, well, what's the right way to put this? Like, I've always been really interested in selection processes. Like I was rush chair of my sorority for two years in part because, which sort of also involves kicking people out. Right. Because I just think it's a really interesting thing. It's it, in life. As we go through life, there's not that many circumstances you find yourself in, even when you're doing hiring decisions and stuff like that, there's not that many decisions where you're choosing who to keep and who to exclude where it's that personal. Right. And, um, and survivor is a rare exception where, um, and I just, I mean, again, like being on the receiving end of getting kicked out was uh, really sad and hard for me. But on the other hand, from a sort of abstract psychological perspective, I still think it's, it's really interesting to try to piece apart how people make those decisions. And I, I personally think I learned a lot. Like I talk about it in the TEDx talk. I learned a lot about human behavior from like being in the game and just watching how people engage in those processes. Like it's not, it, it wasn't what the 22 year old naive version of me would have predicted, or even like the survivor fan version of me that existed before I went on the show would have predicted because I would have thought being strategic and being competitive, I would have thought it would be easy to kick people out. Right. Cause that's such, you know, that's part of the game. But what I observed when I was there was like, like one of the reasons why Diane and and Jesse on our tribe got kicked out first and second was because they were sick, right? Like Diane, I forget what was wrong with her and Jesse had some issue. And so they were, it was really, it just gave us a convenient excuse to get rid of them. And it made all of us feel less guilty about kicking them out, right? Like I just wouldn't have ever imagined we'd have to justify it to ourselves. Like I would have just as a fan of the show, I just would have assumed it's easy to kick. You're glad to kick somebody out. It's one less person to compete with. What I wouldn't have imagined was even for somebody who, like myself, like self-identifies as being competitive and, you know, was there to win and was trying to be strategic. Like even for me, it's just very difficult. Like I just don't think it's in most people's human nature to feel good about ejecting somebody under those circumstances. And I mean, that you could say like, well, what does that extrapolate to in like the context of everyday interaction? But I think it does tell us a little bit about human nature that I think it actually is in most people's nature. Like our default reaction is to be kind, right? Even the most competitive among us, our default reaction is to feel bad excluding people and to feel bad ruining people's days. And, and that was news to me, right? Like I, 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 that was interesting to learn. And I, I still reflect back on that. And I still think it's interesting. I still think if you actually you know, play in the game of survivor, you, well, at least I did, like I walked away with a lot, sort of more of a rosy glow perspective about human nature than, than the opposite. So that was good. Kelly, you mentioned your TEDx talk and mm-hmm. uh, I watched it before we came on today. It's on the subject of scarcity. What mm-hmm. prompted you to want to do this talk about that subject? 
So I've spent the past 10 years studying how what we call reminders of resource scarcity affect consumer decision making. And the reason uh, it was me and like a team of students, the reason we started studying that topic was because largely because when I got the job at the Kellogg School of Management, which was my first job out of grad school, it was uh, during the recession of 2008. So our job market is in the fall of or the marketing departments in the fall of 2008. And, um, you know, I, I was one of the top you know, candidates on the job market. And I have all these first round interviews. And then basically the economy starts going down. All of these universities, including Yale, their endowment went down by 50%. And one of the things, first things that gets cut when your endowment drops like that is hiring, right? So they're losing all their fac- new hires, uh, their new hire positions. And so I went from having like 25 interviews down to having like nine, right? Because all of these universities like Stanford, for example, is one of my universities that I really wanted to go to. And they lost their slot. Like all of these, and you can imagine public school hit them even harder. So as here's me, I've just worked five years to get this degree, like worked really quite hard. And now, and I come out and it looks really promising and all these schools like me. And then my prospects just got slashed. Right. And all was well that ended well. But I think for me that really, it was a, it kind of created this question in my mind of how does living through this experience of like having your resources be threatened and having this like scarcity of jobs, how does that affect the way you, you treat other people, right? How does that affect your you know consumer decision-making more broadly? So when I got the job at Kellogg, we started studying that. And yeah, like I said, we studied it for 10 years. I've published five papers on it. I have a bunch more stuff in the pipeline. And it's funny because, you know, it's, it relates to Survivor a little bit. I mean, clearly there's scarcity on Survivor, but I, I wasn't planning to talk about Survivor in the TED Talk, but the TEDx talk. But then um, Ethan came out here to give a talk here in Nashville and he and I had lunch and he's like, don't kid yourself. It's still the most interesting story you have. And I was like, you know what? It is still the most interesting story I have. So then I went back and reworked the talk and I talk about like my the experience of scarcity on Survivor and how I actually thought it had some positive outcomes and then some similar results that we saw in the lab. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was really fun to work on that talk. I will say like, as you know, when you're an academic and you publish these papers, like, I think I'm lucky if three people read them, including my mom. Right. So it was neat to be able to try to craft something that was going to be ideally appealing to a broader kind of different audience. So it was a really fun exercise. It was great. Thank you. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I will link also uh, in the show notes to this podcast. And also uh, I'll give a uh, short link. If you want to go to uh, Rob has a website.com slash Kelly talk. Uh, if you want to go uh, directly to check it out, uh, I, I definitely recommend it. And uh, I think there was a, an optimistic uh, tone to it. Thank you. Despite being about that- scarcity. Yeah, that that was my intention. I mean, I will say, like I said, on Survivor, my takeaways about humans and human behavior were more positive than negative. And I mean, like the only pushback I get on the talk is like some people say, well, you know, I'm not studying chronic poverty. That's true. I'm not studying like, you know, people who grew up in underprivileged circumstances. Most of my participants in my studies are undergraduates or people who participate in studies online, which means they have the money to buy a computer. So really what I study is what you, what happens when you take people like me and you and people with access to a computer and undergrads and, um, and kind of threaten their resources, similar to what happened to me when I was on the job market. And, and honestly, I've, 
people expect it to always be so bad, but it's, it's not right. Like I actually think you can find circumstances where it makes you more generous. It makes you, it certainly makes you, um, want to engage in self-improvement, which I think is a positive outcome, knowing how often in life we're kind of bombarded with these reminders of what we don't have enough of. So yeah, if you, if you have a second, check it out. I, I would be honored and delighted, um, because it was, it was really fun to work on and I hope people get something useful from it. Kelly, I have some questions for you from the listeners of Rock yes. Podcast. I want to pepper in there. And uh, I suspect that T-Bird uh, still has uh, a, a lot more, right? Yes, yes, okay, I all right. do. Preston Coleman wants to know, uh, Kelly used the past votes tiebreaker to really benefit herself in the game. How do you feel about the uh, Rocks tiebreaker? Uh, would you have gone to Rocks on the Lindsay vote? So... Did you feel like you really had that down of, okay, previous votes, okay, that we're going to really use this to our advantage? Okay, wait, rocks type, you have to remind me what this is, right? So, so, so in your season, it was, what, that, no, it went to a quiz, right? It wasn't previous votes. They, 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 no, no, our season, was it our previous season votes? was previous votes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, all right. Now, I, I will say, I think I, whatever season they did this rocks thing, I remember when they changed it. And I remember- after you guys. Yeah, after us. It was Marquesas, number four, right after us. Remember? Yeah. God, you have such an encyclopedic knowledge of the show, T-Bird. I'm very impressed. Um, I remember being impressed with, you know, the production company or CBS or whoever made that decision. Because to me, if, if somebody like me who is 22 and, you know, had all the best of intentions, but if I was trying to rig the system, that was only going to continue for the years to come, right? So I actually think as a fan of the show who always wants the show to be good. It was good that the, whoever made that decision, like the production company or the network, whoever made the decision to spice it up in that way, it was, it was a good decision to make. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then you can't have a strategy around it. Right. So I think that was, that was a good call. Okay. Let's, Hey, but Rob, we got to tell Preston this. We made sure that we, Frank and I made sure that we let them know by signaling, signaling that kept that, um, Lindsay had that vote. Do you remember when we were at the challenge, Kel? Oh, yeah. We wanted y'all to know we were signaling to you guys to let you know that Lindsay had a vote. Oh, that's so, true. You remember? Yep. That's, well, see, look how smart you guys were. And, and you did the L, right? Yes. And you weren't yeah, sure I if so. T-Bird was calling you a loser? <laughs> I've always wondered that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still I'm still asking that question. Okay. Uh, but I mean, I think that's inter- an interesting question because I think when you're playing the game, like that type of knowledge is handy and interesting and you could apply it in interesting ways. I question though, like when you get, you know, they're delivering a TV show that's, you know, a visual medium, right? Like people are watching this. If you've got people that are playing a game in their heads, which like relying on prior votes and like using subtle hand signals and stuff, it's, it's harder to translate, I think, to the broader audience. So I think it's good, even though it was kind of a cool thing for us to take advantage of, it's probably good that, that whoever made the switch made the switch. And also thank you. Thank you, Preston, for writing in a question. Um, I love you. That means a lot that you would care to hear my opinion on anything. I appreciate it. Felipe Shimon wants to know, uh, what was the Ponderosa like in Africa? Did the jurors uh, get to go explore on trips or see the wildlife? Oh, my God. This. um, So my my number one, like if you could invent my actual hell, my number one hell would be like having no makeup on in a sports bra in front of being asked to do a push up in front of people I'm trying to impress. So that's my number one hell. (laughs) My number two hell would be the Ponderosa in Africa. So first of all, because I'm the first person in the jury, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this on the show or people that are 
fans of the show would know this already, but at least the way it used to be is the people that were voted off prior to the jury, like go on a little trip, you mm-hmm. know, by themselves. Yeah. Right. So that means if you're someone like Kelly Goldsmith, who's the first person in the jury, you are in the Ponderosa alone. Right. So I'm in the Ponderosa alone for three days, which was like the longest three days of my life. Like technically there's a contestant wrangler there. Technically there was like a psychologist there, but nope. I mean, we're not really having that much interaction. Like I'm basically, I'm reading the damn graduate a hundred times. Like I'm just hanging out with myself, you know, looking off in the distance, mourning the loss of my reality television career. Like it was a sad time and there was nobody to talk to. So then the next person that got voted off was Brandon. And even though on some level, I think I probably knew or at least strongly suspected that he had been the reason I got voted off. I I mean, three days by myself was enough time that I was going to be grateful for whoever like walked off the bus essentially. And so he and I were like instant best friends, right? Like hanging out and playing card games. And it was just great to have another human to interact with. So that was fun. Then Frank got voted out and then things took it. So Brandon and I had three, a great three day vacation together. <laughs> Then Frank and things took a dark turn, right? Because Frank, of course, wants me to know that Brandon had cast this vote against me, so I shouldn't be so nice to him. But, you know, at this point, there's nothing I can do. And it's better than being alone. And all I want to do is enjoy what's left of my time in Africa, right? Because I've now it's been like six days. I've made peace with the fact that I'm not going back. Brandon and Frank would not speak to each other. They're both like chain smoking at the table. And I'm just sitting in the middle like a dork, like trying to make chit chat Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to be poly positive. And they were having none of it. So what they would do once they were three of us, they would take us on like little you know, Jeep rides and stuff to look at animals. And, you know, we, they, they did try to entertain us a little bit, but I I mean, like I said, I think Brandon and Frank, when it was the two of them, despite all my enthusiasm and positivity, they were, they were committed to misery. So then, then that was also boring for me. And then T-Bird got voted. No, was it Kim or T-Bird who was next? It was probably Kim. Yeah. Not T-Bird. Not T-Bird. Kim. Um, And then, and then things moved really quick. Don't even mess. Gee, don't even mess with Rob. He knows the exact number. Don't mess with Rob on who comes off first because he can rattle off every person as they're voted out, right? From top to bottom. Can't you, Rob? Uh, Some seasons, yeah. Well, I just want to watch the season of like Rob and T-Bird and the people that have like an encyclopedic knowledge of the show. That's the season I want to watch. Mm-hmm. And I want there to be no physical challenges and no swimming. You come back for that um, one. Yeah. I would gladly, I would show up in a heart. But just here's what you do. Take the big brother house, empty out everybody, just put in everybody with an encyclopedic knowledge of survivor. And I, I am there for that. I would love to see that. That would be my favorite. That was why. Ho, 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 ho. Hold it. Hold the phone. Hold the phone, Cal. I got yes. it. Yes. You need to be on season 39 as an advisor. I'm fine with that. Right, Rob? Yeah, do you know? T- t- oh, tell, tell her about the coaches. And, and they can put two, an idol. Okay, so Kel. Yes. On season 39. Oh, you have got to Google this. You've got to Google this. Did I say you have got to Google okay. this? Season 39, there are two huge, big, not life-size. How, how big are they, Rob? Uh, uh, big yeah, size big statues size. of Boston Rob. Austin Rob and Sandra Diaz Twine. They are on season 39 as advisors. Oh, wow. To the others that are out there playing. You would be perfect at this because you're, I'm thinking your knowledge of the game or your advice might go a little bit deeper than Sandra's because Sandra's strategy was pretty basic. And Boston Rob's strategy was probably a little different than yours would be. So I think I found the perfect, the perfect job for you as an advisor. I'm fine Don't with you that. Think, Rob? Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know I would, if it's like something you can apply for. Uh, this is my verbal application mm-hmm. to whomever is listening. Please put me on the show as an advisor. That sounds like I could wear a suit, which I'm fine with. Um, I wouldn't have to, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have to part ways with my cosmetics, which is a big deal to me. Hopefully I could still bring my curling iron, assuming that's the case. Um, and it doesn't sound like it involves swimming. This is an all around win. So yes, I am. I'm there for it as an advisor. I would even go back and I would literally manically watch every single episode of the show that ever existed and develop my own encyclopedic reference base. If they were interested in me in that capacity, I would love to do it. Okay. All right. So Kelly, the first one I want you to watch is I want you to watch season 38 edge of extension because you describe it. You, so you describe in your first three days at Ponderosa with nobody there. Rob, this is what I'm thinking. Imagine her take Reem out of the equation Put Kelly G in for the first person voted out on Edge of Extinction where she's got the chance to come in. Can you imagine? Reem was good TV, but can you imagine Professor Goldsmith out there those three days? Oh, my God. I don't think she would like that it. That would have been good. Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. There could have been a lot of tears. My main, like, once I got voted off, my main interest was like, don't start crying. Don't you dare start crying. You're the youngest girl on the show. On behalf of all women everywhere, don't start crying. That was really my, that was my main goal. So maybe, I don't know, I probably would have not been able to keep that going for three full days, though. There probably would have been a lot of tears, but that makes good TV. Okay. T-Bird, I know you have a, a lot of material prepared for Kelly. Well, I've got, I've got a couple of things. Because she worked in casting, and I mm-hmm. know a lot of the RHAP listeners, are they're, they're fans, but a lot of them want to get on the show. They want to be cast. So because sure. you cast for Vanuatu, you watch mm-hmm. videos. What caught your attention on these videos and what turns you off? Give Just give the, the listener some good some good ideas for, for shooting their videos. I'm happy to do that. I, I should also say I have like successfully coached many a person who I'm sure you guys have too, who ended up getting on the show or getting really far in the process. Like Shauna Mitchell was was my one of my best friends in undergrad was her twin sister. Oh. And so, yeah, I helped her with her application and stuff. And then Max Dawson, I knew him. Well, he was applying all the time anyways, mm-hmm. but I knew him at Northwestern. Um, so, okay. So this is really straightforward. I mean, again, I have no idea. Internet world is different. When I was in the mailroom there, people were sending in VHS tapes. So like this was the you know dinosaur days. But I mean, the casting people, and I, I think we all tried to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and like watch the full tape. But I really do think that most decisions are made and like the psychology research would back this up, that most decisions are made in the first like five to 10 seconds. Right. And I don't think it matters so much what you look like or anything like like the type of quote unquote, the type of person you are. When people ask me questions, when people know I worked in casting, I think people have this idea that like CBS, you know, has a bunch of boxes they're trying to check. And it's just not like to a certain extent that's loosely true, but it's not, it's not that fixed. I really think they're kind of looking for the quote unquote best athlete. Like they're trying to find the people they think would be best for the show and then worry about the rest of the details later. So I think really knowing that, like it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is in the first five to 10 seconds, you need to jump off the page and present yourself. Like don't, don't build right. Mm -hmm. Like that. I think so many people's videos die for that reason. Come in way the hell hot, right? Like that was what we had to do with, um, yeah. when I, I mean, there's been many people in casting that they wanted to put on the show who for for like, like, okay, so this is another example, Brady Finta, this guy is good looking. He's an FBI agent and 
somebody knew somebody who knew him. So like we all knew that there was going to be an application coming through from a guy who's a good looking FBI agent. And everybody's like, oh, we've got to get this guy on the show. Right. But his video was so boring. Right. So we have to call him up and be like, all right, that's not like we're because, again, remembering the casting people have to pitch you to the production company and they have to pitch you to the network. Right. And if you turn in something that's I mean, it doesn't matter how good looking you are and how interesting you are on paper. If there's if they can't pull 10 seconds of you jumping off the page, you're not going to get on the show. So we had to then call him up and be like, you got to reshoot the video. And what I would always tell people was like, it doesn't matter what what fires you up. It does not matter. It could be knitting or beekeeping or whatever. Right. Like whatever you get fired up about, just talk about that thing because you really need to find a way to bring it to like 11, right? Uh, on a scale of one to four. Mm-hmm. So that's my advice I give to everybody. Really, again, it doesn't matter. Like, don't worry about your background. Don't worry about who you are, or how you look or what you're passionate about. You know, just really find a way to be your most kind of engaged, enthusiastic self, like tell your best story. Don't, don't bury the lead. Right. Um, that, that, and so many people too, like, like I, a friend of a friend was trying to get on the show and she'd applied a lot of times and she and I are going back and forth over email and I'm trying to give her advice. And then on like the fifth email, she's like, well, I did like have to leave my husband in the middle of the night to get out of the Mormon church. And and I'm like, why didn't we start with that part mm-hmm. of you like fleeing in the night from the Mormon church? Right. That's <laughs> that's clearly more interesting than like your 72 other emails you sent me. So, I mean, and that's hard for some people because some people just don't want to go there. But I think if you don't want to go there, that, that's just at this day and age, this is what you need to do to you know, get on, there've been 40 seasons, right? There's been or 38 seasons, right? There's been so many people before you that you have, the only thing that's going to make you different is like that thing that you did that sometimes you don't want to talk about, but that really makes you unique. Right. And so I think that's, you just can't be afraid to go there. Um, and if you, if you feel like, you know, and it's reasonable that some people would have concerns like long-term career concerns with something that, that like, even just having this conversation with you guys, I'm like, Oh, I hope I don't say anything that's going to make me sound like my students are going to think I'm an idiot or something. So I think it's reasonable and healthy to have those concerns about how you're presenting yourself and what you want to disclose. But nonetheless, if you want to get on the show and your life is going to feel forever incomplete, if you don't get on the show, then you have to be willing to, you know, go there. That would be my advice. What did your, what did your 22 year old self do in your first five to 10 seconds on your video? Like like I said, I was, so I I was really, it's interesting because like I didn't have that much market research knowledge at the time, but I was really playing a very, um, what we call STP segmenting, targeting, positioning game, because what had happened in, in Australia, the first time the ratings of survivor ever, right. Season one, every single episode, number one show in the country, millions and millions of viewers. And I studied this right season two, after Jerry got voted off, right. Jerry was quote unquote, the bitch. So after Jerry gets voted off, the ratings went down and it was the first time they'd ever gone down. And I'm like, okay, perfect. Like these networks are not naive. Like Jerry was such a draw there. My theory was that the next season, like if one bitch was good, they might want more than one in season three. Right. So I had this theory that they would oversample like bitchy women because Jerry had been so successful for them. Yeah, it it was, it wasn't crazy. Right. This is like analytically makes sense. Right. And so, and I'm like, no problem. Like, I mean, I sort of had some street cred to back it up. I'd been in a sorority. I was really like really, really into being in a sorority, which strikes some people like as a bitchy thing. So I just, my video, I wore a t-shirt that said, I make boys cry and my cheerleading skirt. And I just like was kind of like finger wagging and sassy and bitchy, right? Like I was really going for it. 
Um, but then, like I said, when I got to LA, luckily they showed me a little bit of grace when they, when it became obvious that I wasn't actually that bitchy. Right. So, um, don't get me wrong. I can be snarky and sarcastic and blah, blah, blah. But I, I mean, on survivor, when you're looking for somebody who's bitchy, like, and I love Sue Hawk, but like, you know, I, that wasn't me. You know what I mean? Like that's who they're looking for. If they're looking to cast somebody who is kind of going to be bitchy, like people are going to tell it to your face. I would never tell anything to anybody. They got T-Bird, right? Clearly. Yeah. T-Bird is very evil on the inside and that's what they were looking for. Um, like we said in Africa, they oversampled bitches, but anyways, so that was, that was my approach to the video was I, <laughs> I was very sassy and snarky and, um, and, but like, then you, it gets complicated, right? Even my first interview, I applied through Philadelphia, which I tried to be strategic because at the time you're supposed to, apl- you had to apply through a city, right? You Basically, you tell the casting people, like, if I get a first round interview, this is the city that's closest to me that I will come to for the interview. And the city that was going to be closest to me because I was graduating, I was going home for a little bit. The city that was going to be closest to me was L.A. And I'm like, nope, too many hot girls in L.A. Like, I'm 22. I will never be able to compete in L.A., which is totally true. So I thought. I, I was supposed to move to Philadelphia in like months. Right. And, but I put on the thing that I was, I lived in Philadelphia so that I would apply through Philadelphia, which not to say that there's not hot girls in Philadelphia. There are, but LA is just real densely packed. Right. I'd say the same thing about Miami. So I applied through Philly and then I'm doing this interview. Right. And, um, and every single question the lady asked me, all I'm thinking in my head is what would the bitchy girl say? Right. What's a bitchy girl thing to say? I tried to dress like a bitchy girl, right? Like the whole thing was ridiculous. Um, and, and at one point, <laughs> And I, I had this really big Gucci bag. And the one point the lady said something about like, would you ever carry a counterfeit or is your bag even real? And I look at her and I go, I'd rather eat dog shit than carry a fake bag. And then she mm-hmm. looks at me and goes, you'd eat dog <laughs> shit. And I'm like, what would the bitchy girl say? What would the bitchy girl say? Right. And I like, and I literally just look at her and I'm like, <laughs> yep, I'd eat dog shit. And I'm like, what? I wouldn't eat dog shit. Right. That's ridiculous. But you know, <laughs> Fake it till you make it, right? Like, Kelly, that is so funny. It's, it's probably just sounded so crazy. They're like, put her on. But Kelly, I did the same thing when I was looking at the cities, um, just strategic planning that you're talking about. So I thought I, Miami was one of them. And I thought, I can't go to Miami and I'm not going to be noticed because beautiful girls, tanned girls, blah, blah, yeah, you know, no, you can't tans. do it. No. So I picked D, I picked this one I decided, I picked DC because I thought, I got to go somewhere. So at least at my accent, something's going to stand out. So that's exactly why I went to D.C. as that's opposed smart. to Miami, which is, I think, was the other place that was close to me. But listen, that's so funny. So the strategic planning, I know, carried in from your audition right into mm-hmm. the game. So your luxury item was your your hobby is crocheting, right? Uh- Girl, you still I, I mean, I'm sure I know. I, I know how to crochet as well now as I did then, but mm-hmm. I'm no, I'm no crochet master. Um, I so you guys know this about luxury items. I'm sure you've talked about this. You have to like go through 90 of them before they let you pick. You know, you know what I mean. Like crochet needles and yarn was like the 70th thing I submitted. I said I wanted. I tried to bring practical stuff like a normal human, right? Like a knife or a mirror. Like I had a long uh, books. I tried to bring so many cards. I mean, I a blanket. Like I tried to bring many, many practical survival oriented things that got nixed. And finally, crochet needles and yarn was what made the cut, which I mean, again, it actually ended up being handy, but was not my first choice. Yeah, because I was wondering, we talked to uh, Gretchen Cordy, mm-hmm. you know, Gretchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, yeah. And she is an, yeah, and she, and she was a naval survivalist. So her, everything she did, the same thing was very strategic. So she took 
dental floss. She got had a toothbrush and dental floss, and then she started rattling off the things she could do with dental floss, with hunting and fishing and all this stuff. So I figured maybe your crochet needles and yarn was something you had strategically thought about for your game. No, I mean, it wasn't the worst choice, but like I said, it was not my first 20 choices, right? Mm-hmm. So we we did end up using them to make washcloths and like you could actually, you could do a fair amount of stuff with it. But um, but again, I, I started with, I'm sure everybody does, right? I started with much more like compass, right? Normal survival oriented things. Hey, Cal, I got to ask you this. What yes. do you think if, you know, because you're obviously good friends with Ethan, Ethan won our season, he's played twice. Um, mm-hmm. He played on that season. You were supposed to go to. I know, right? Got replaced um, on, Hall- on Halloween. Something's so wrong about that. I know. What do you think, how do you think Ethan would do now if he played now with him, with everything he's, you know, with playing twice, but with everything he's gone through with his health and all the changes and everything that's happened for him in the last 19 years? How do you think he would play? Would he play differently? And how do you think he would do good, good question. if he played? That That's a tough question, right? Because, like, it's really even though I feel like I know Ethan better now, but like we haven't spent as much logged as much time together as we did in the game, but I still feel like I know him a little bit better now as an adult than I did then. That said, I mean, I think it's sort of the nice thing about being older is I think it gives you a little, especially perhaps if you've already done it like two or three times, however many times he's done it, you know, it gives you a little bit of a healthy sense of perspective about the whole thing, which can be a good thing with respect to not like, apply like a, applying a Kelly Goldsmith oriented strategy of overthinking everything. Like it, it can be good to have a little bit more of a healthy perspective, but on the other hand, it can make you less competitive, right? Because you know, you know, he won it once, but then he lost it once. Right. And so like, if you know, you're probably not going to win and you have a life at home and this isn't going to be like what defines you. And this is going to be your only time you got to do it. Like it just, it, it is a really hard game. And I think you need all the reasons to stay motivated. Right. And so I don't know, I don't know if like how that kind of trade-off works internally for him, you know, be it like some positive effects of perspective versus some negative effects of like losing that fire. Cause it just has to be true to me that if you've played it a couple times, like how do you not. And cause for Ethan, I will say, which I think is a good thing. Like, I don't feel like his whole life is defined by the fact that he was on survivor. Right. Like I think, whether or not he wins or loses, he's going to, he's going to keep going just fine. Right. And I don't, I think some people feel much more of this like manic drive of like, if I don't make this work, you know, everything hinges on this vote, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I just don't get that sense from him. Um, and that can have downsides, right? Like it's good to want it really bad. And so I don't know if he were to go back a third time, if he, I don't know if any human being is capable of wanting it as much as they did the first time. I don't know. I, but I would wish him the best of luck and I would wish that he came home and got out a checkbook and wrote a big fat check to Kelly Goldsmith, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and sent it my way because just I'm nice. And I did. I mention I like money, so mm-hmm. I would be fine with that. Yeah. And if either one of you, if either right, one of so you guys Kelly, goes back, uh, if either one of you guys go back on the show, just so you know, I'm at $500 an hour and this podcast is, will have been at least an hour. So you can also feel free to copy a check more than $500. Don't limit yourself. Just round it up. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Perfect. All right. So Kelly, I talked, I, I wanted to run a couple of things by you. Um, I've got some adjectives that some of the players that we played with on Africa mm-hmm. said about oh, you. Nice. And I'd like for you to, t- yeah, 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 yeah. Well, maybe. I hope none of maybe them not. are a ferret. Uh, um, 
Go ahead. Let's hear it. <laughs> so I want you to see if you could tell me who you think said these. Oh my gosh. You. Okay. You ready? Yeah. All right. So the first one, this person described you as smart huh. and a very sharp sense of humor and that you could be surprisingly dirty. Uh-oh. So smart. So yes, yes to all so of that. Very smart, very sharp. Okay. Smart, funny, very funny and welcoming. Wait, who's wait, are we still on the the dirty one? The, this these, is all one person. So all, all one things, person, right? I knew that was going to stick with you when I said that. All right. So the adjectives are smart, mm-hmm. funny mm-hmm. and welcoming. Smart, funny and welcoming. Welcoming. Um, hmm. I don't know. I want to say you, T-Bird, but you just said all that nice stuff about me. I don't know. Who's Ethan? No, he wouldn't say I was welcoming. Um, hmm. I have no idea. Yeah, because you welcomed him to the jury. I I did fully welcome him into the jury. Yes, I did. That's a fact. (laughs) I hope he's doing good. I haven't talked to him forever. he, He said... Yep, he said he felt closest to you and Lex out there, and he loves you. He misses you. He misses you. So he said for me to tell you hi. So hi. Do you still talk to him? Okay, next one. Wait, do you still talk to Brandon? We tell him I said hi. He shows. I, I, yeah, Kel, I, I, we are friends on Instagram, so we do little, you know, look at each other's pictures and do our little Instagram stuff because he's that's what he's on. But yeah, I I definitely wanted to talk to him for this. Uh, Oh, oh, so people said this recently. Yes, she interviewed these people uh, for this yeah. interview. Oh my god, I thought this was like from back in the day. Okay, okay, I have to recalibrate myself. But that's yeah. so no, sweet of him. No. Oh my god. Okay, so well, okay. tell him I say hi. Okay, all right. So Brandon, I will. I say Brandon said smart, funny, and welcoming. Yes. Okay, the next one said friendly, helpful, and a teacher. Hmm. Oh well, I don't friendly, helpful, and a teacher. And this was pretty cool. This was pretty cool, actually. Wait, I but now I'm trying to. Are you worth that? All right, none, I'm trying okay, to so game this now. Me. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to game this. I'm trying to think. Well, she and just saw Tom me. and Lex, so maybe it was Tom. Like I don't know. Let me think. Friendly. Mm, I'm going to guess Tom. Friendly. Help. Yep. Yay! Oh, look it. at me. Okay, so friendly. I know you got it. So friendly because he said when, as when you played the game out there that you were the very first one to, to talk to him. Oh, you're the very first one. Helpful, helpful. And then he said, "Teacher," because you taught him the game out there. <laughs> he remember he didn't know he'd never yeah. seen the game, and he said right. that you were so sweet. You didn't. You weren't telling him how to play. You were explaining how the first two seasons were to kind of give him some insight on how the game was played. So he's uh, a friendly, helpful, and teacher. Now the last, and then now the last three, um, sassy, smart, okay. and mature. Oh, Beyond these are all nice. Mature. Sassy, these are also nice. Sassy, sassy, smart, and mature. And these are, I think these are dead on accurate too. Every one of these. Um, I'm going to guess Lex just because you just saw him. All right. Well, that's true. Yay! Listen to this. This is so cool. So this is so cool. So you're two out of three. That's good. That's good. So listen to this, what Lex said. Lex said he had no idea until he watched the season how off-putting, how off-putting that he was, that he had no self-awareness. Um, 
that you felt the way you felt about him. There we go. Um, that you thought he was bossy. And I think he even said it, at one point you had mentioned that he needed medication. No, that was Frank. I said Frank needed but, medication. But, what, oh, Frank. Okay, Frank. Okay. But it was interesting because, you know, like he said, you know, all A-type personalities out there. So mm. it makes sense that, you know. But yeah, those were great. Those were great adjectives. That's so nice. Tried. You have to tell everybody I say hi. I will. I definitely will. Um, you were in the... Uh, Duke drama play. I totally was, yes. And you won the role of Abigail yes. Williams. Well, I did not know that you act, you you were singing and performing. And, and ask Rob, I'm always trying to get somebody to do a little sing and dance here on the on the podcast. Sure. But you can actually sing. So please, oh, no. I want you to break out in song for oh, us. Oh God, T Bird. I mean. <laughs> Break it. I don't, oh, come on, come on. You gotta do, you're, hey, don't even act like you're shy. No, I'm don't totally not shy. I'm just, I'm just not a good singer. For, okay. The Crucible is not, there's no singing in that play. Um, so, so th- that. It's not a musical? It's definitely not a musical. No, it's like witches getting burned. It's like quite dramatic. Um, I, I will say my, my best singing role I've ever held, uh, which my children can attest to, was I was Ursula the Sea Witch in our eighth grade production of, it was like a Disney review where they did some songs from Disney. Mm. And uh, I brought the house down. Now, why uh, they- It's another it, Little Mermaid remake? <laughs> wait, uh, yes. It was okay. excellent. I make a mean Ursula the Sea Witch. That was, that was like the, that was the, my true life's joy. That was number one. Going on Survivor was like number two. But having kids, let's put that at number one. But you get the idea. Yeah, Ursula the Sea Witch was a real high yeah. point for me. But she's like, she's like got a, you know, kind of, I think it, I don't think it was voiced by a man, but it could have been. Like I have a really low, raspy voice. Mm-hmm. So just picture the Sea Witch singing and that's what it sounds like for me. Okay. Do it. The body. You have to do it. I'm not going to do, do it. Do no freaking way. I've already like, I've already like cussed Kelly a million G. things that are not, that are not becoming a university professor. I can't sing. Uh, but I'm trying to think if there's any video of me singing on the internet. I don't think there is. So let's keep it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. All right. T-Bird, All right. what well, can you tried. do? Yeah. We tried. tried. All right. God bless you. Can I- T-Bird, do you have Kelly. anything else okay. for Kelly? Oh, I could probably go and talk to Kelly forever and ever and ever. I, oh, let me ask you yes. this, Kel. Since you, you talked about ferrets, since yes. you talked about ferrets, because I'm trying to get uh, Rob to tell me about if uh, if Nicole's seen this movie or not. Have you seen a Have you seen Along Came Polly? Yes, a long time ago though. Is it about ferrets? I don't. I thought so. <laughs> we remember the blind ferret that she pulls around that runs into. That the probably wall? was me. Like someone probably compared me to that very ferret on the internet. Yes, I do remember mm-hmm. that now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess the ferrets were really big around that. Right. That was like 2003 also. So Paris, maybe. Yeah, it's true. Paris Hilton had a pet ferret. So yeah. that ferret got a lot of press uh, in the early 2000s. Yeah, those were the days. Yeah. But seriously, um, thanks thanks to anyone on the Internet who has ever compared me to anything better than a ferret. Uh, I take it. It warms my my little black heart completely. Um, and it's thank you guys for having me on and, and T-Bird for doing all this homework. It's like so incredibly kind and thoughtful. Is there anything else I can do to be helpful to you guys? What can I do? No, this was so great that you came on and talked with us and people should go great. ahead and uh, and check out your TED talk at yes. uh, robhaswebsite.com slash Kelly talk to go ahead and see what you had to say about scarcity. Very important subject. Uh, so many of us uh, deal with that on an everyday basis. And so uh, great talk uh, from Kelly Goldsmith at robhaswebsite.com slash Kelly talk. And then I know you Google stalk yourself. Do you do I social do. media? Yes, you guys, I have all the social media. Um, I, I have 
My, my, I do. My Instagram is, uh, my Instagram and Twitter are both at, at, right. The at prof goldsmith. And then my website is profgoldsmith.com. And then what else is social media? I don't know. I feel like I maybe have a YouTube channel, but that's just my TEDx talk. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I, most of it's just prof goldsmith. And if you go to my website, profgoldsmith.com, it's all linked at the bottom. My favorite thing is my Goodreads page. Cause like as somebody who's been on this bender, I'm all about, uh, staying motivated by showing people everything I've been reading. So that's all, that's all up there. You're and still competitive. Uh, you know what? I, competing in terms of like the number of books I've read. Like, I think it's a safe way to compete as a, as a 40 year old who can't swim. What so is the link that. for that? How do we find your, your so, good reads? So if you go to my website, profgoldsmith.com, just scroll down to the bottom. It has all my social links. Like LinkedIn is on there. You can add me on LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn and Instagram and Goodreads is the G symbol. It's like right in the middle. Can't miss it. Kelly, I have to ask you this. I usually try to teach something to Rob or ask Rob a question that, you know, to see if he knows it during our podcast. And so I actually took this question. I'm going to ask Rob, but I want you to stand by because I got this question from one of the books that you have recently read. Okay, Rob, are you ready? Ready. So one of Kelly's books, one of Kelly's books that she has recently read was How to Wash a Chicken oh, yeah. by Tim Calkins. Great book. Is that correct? Yep, great book. Now, I have I have I have not read this book because I'm just trying to finish up Make Your Bed, the little 80-page book with a big writing. But I wanted to ask Rob, Rob, can you bathe chickens? Can you bathe chickens? Uh I would I would I would yes. think so. I mean I, I think you could you can definitely grab one. I don't I, I don't see why you couldn't then put them in the water, but Considering right. that's the name of the book, I suspect right, you can't. Okay, so no, okay. So let me ask you this: So, how do chickens clean themselves? That's basically the question. How? And I bet you Kelly G knows this. How do chickens clean themselves? Uh, with their beak. Okay, Kel, do you know this one? I think they they get a friend. Chickens clean themselves. They put on some quiet music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they lay out some beautiful brushes. They light a candle. I don't know. I have no idea. With their beak is a good guess. All right, ch- all right. Chickens clean themselves by taking regular dust baths. Oh, I should have known that. They throw dirt on top of them. That's how it's natural grooming. They just that's how they that's how they clean. I should have known so, that. Like I said, because your book your book inspired me to figure out if you actually wash chickens. What is the book about anyway by Tim Calkins? Probably about, not about washing chickens. It's, it's, so Tim Calkins is like one of the top professors at Kellogg and he was a real mentor to me and a great guy. And so it's about how to give a presentation and he gives amazing presentations. It's really a good book. But um, his story that he opens it with is he was in 4-H as a kid and the first presentation he ever gave was on how to wash a chicken and the chicken like what got crazy and went loose because he grabbed it wrong and then he realized like which was his nightmare of you know botching this chicken presentation presentation at 4-H, but then he realized, right, the audience loved it and he ended up winning the prize for best presentation because he kind of recovered well. And so that's the takeaway is to not be worried about the audience and not worry too much about the outcome, but just kind of be a confident presenter and you can make it through anything. Okay. All right. Well, Kelly, you made it through talking with T-Bird and Uh, you did a great job and thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you guys for having me. This was great. Kelly. Thank you so much. It was fantastic. Yes, I miss you. Tell everybody I say hi for real. I will, Kelly girl. And I'll let Ellie know that we talk because Ellie, my daughter Ellie, loves you. Tell her I love her the most. Okay. All right, Kelly, thank you so much. My pleasure. 
All right, everybody, there you have it. Kelly Goldsmith, T-Bird, another great one. Oh, she wasn't she great? I think, Kelly, I think we could have gone on for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. And, and believe, believe it or not, as much as we talked to her, um, I had a question for you, and I started thinking, you know how we like to do our questions at the end? So I like to kind of test your you know, test your knowledge yeah. on whatever subject might come up. Yeah. I think this might have been a good one for Kelly. But anyway, I'm going to ask you this question. And you know what? I, abs- I actually forgot to ask of all the questions we asked Kelly girl. I forgot to ask her one question. And the question I forgot to ask her was, which would she rather have fame or fortune? Now, hmm. Rob, I think what she's do you pick think? fortune. I mean, well, you know, that's funny. After after us doing our podcast with Kelly Girl, absolutely anybody that listened would say one thousand million trillion percent fortune. But for some reason, I thought she would say fame. I don't know why. I yeah. just did. So I actually got in touch with her once we finished, and she answered the question for me. So here we go: fame or fortune? Did, what did Kelly say? Uh-huh. I, I'll stand by that. Uh-huh. She said fortune. She said, definitely fortune. Yeah. Definitely fortune. So, yeah. And it's not that I wasn't listening to her as she said it over and over and over again. There was just a part of me that thought, you know, with her being a professor, she's doing these TED Talks. She's so good out in front of people. There was something about it that I thought, I think she's going to go fame, but I missed that one. But here's my question for you. In Africa, okay, because Kelly G, you know, we are out there on Africa, I was not going to ask you the process of how the players were eliminated because I'm like, that's going to be too easy. So my question for you is going to be, in Africa, there are the big five game animals. Now, this is a three-part question. Can you name the big five game animals in Africa? So I, I will guess. I know this was a uh, a question that came up in one of the trivia games. But I'll say uh, elephant. Yep. A lion. Yep. Yeah. T- uh, tiger. Nope. No, no tiger. Um, I, I will say then. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm not much. I'm not much of a of a hunter, T bird. Uh, uh, hippo. Nope. No. What? What are they? All right. Lion, elephant, leopard, rhinoceros, and the cape and the cape buffalo. Okay, now why why are these five animals termed the big five? Why were they coined the big five? I I don't know. Okay, because it refers to the most difficult animals in Africa to hunt on foot. Ah, on foot. All right, and the last question is. Um, which is the smallest of these five animals that you just named? I'll say uh, I'll, I'll say the uh, leopard. That's right. Okay. Smallest of the big five. They're cunning hunters that use stealth and surprise as their weapons. Good job. Okay. Hey, also, can you believe, Rob, can you believe that another conversation about ferrets yeah. Came out of this podcast. What yeah. is that? Is I that don't know. crazy? Lots of ferret. It's lots of ferret talk. Uh, T bird. Okay. 
are you, you are, are, are you ready to listen to some of the submissions that we got from the listeners about some theme music for talking with T-Bird? Yes. I can't wait. Mm, yeah. I'm really excited. Okay. So are we, what are we going to do? Are we going to choose the one? Or are we going to let the listeners choose no, one? No, you're going to choose. You're going you're gonna to choose. Oh, I'm going to choose. Okay. 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 Right. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's play a couple. What? So, Rob, don't tell me anybody's names. Don't tell me any of that because I don't want to be swayed by any if I know their names or don't know their names. So just play the songs. No bias. Right. OK. OK. All right. So here is here is a song. OK, uh, this this is from one of one of our listeners. And uh, let's go ahead and listen to this one. And uh, we're we're it's going to remain nameless. But. For T-Bird, uh, let's let's play this one, and then and then if it's going on for too long, then we'll we'll turn it off. But just to give you a flavor, here's song number one. Talking to talking to 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 T-Bird is talking, talking to talking to 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 T-Bird is talking, talking with T-Bird. So happy to see her. What survivor can she find? T-Bird will blow your mind. If you've never heard T-Bird on a podcast. She talks really fast, and you'll never guess the questions she'll ask. Yeah, okay. So this one, I think, is acapella uh, with uh, no, like no background music. Okay, I'm all over acapella. I okay. like it. I do that right. a lot here. That's house. number one. I, I think we need okay. something with, uh, with a backing track. Okay, okay. Hey, this okay. is, the, you know, okay. the boss here. So, so uh, well, then let me, let me just uh, thank... The person that uh, uh, sent us uh, this email, uh, although that uh, they did not give us a, a name. Uh, uh, Lane. Lane was the person that sent this Lane? email. Okay. Yes. Okay. Lane, that was fantastic. All right. Let's go to song number two. Okay. Ready, ready for okay. this one? Okay. Here we go. Song number two. Ready. Talking with T-Bird, she's very excited. She's tracking down Titans, and you are invited. She's gracious, vivacious, she cannot be stopped. Pop, 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 pop. Okay, so he incorporated <laughs> the popcorn there. I love that. Okay. <laughs> Don't talk that fast. He was talking fast. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? Yeah. Okay. Do you think he sped it up? Like, did it? No, it no. Up? I think he did. I think what he did. Yeah. You think he did it? He's a rapper. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. 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 I like that. Okay. That, that, wait. Wait. Uh, Okay, so so okay, so I that's the leader in the clubhouse. Okay, well, you know, I think remember you said you wanted a little music in the background. I liked it. Okay, that's from Jacob. Jacob is uh, that's that's Jacob. Good job, Jacob. Okay, Okay. all right. You ready for song number three? Yes. Okay, here we go. All right. Oh, Rob, you know I love that music. I love that theme song in the background. Yes. That was great. Okay. 
You love that it. That was great. Okay, that was from Jay. Jay. Jay Mackey. Fantastic. Okay. All right. Uh, you ready for another one? Yes. Okay. All right. Hey, so, well, Here so, we go. Rob, so, Rob, how are you? How are you feeling so far with these first three? How are so you far, so so far, so good. So far, so good. Have you? Do I don't want to put my, my thumb on the gonna... scale. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I have, uh, so I, I have opinions. I have opinions. Uh, but you know, okay. I, I, okay. I, this, I want, I want to work with you. Okay. Here's song, song number four. Okay. Pop your popcorn. It's T Bird Cooper with a special treat for you. She's tracking down all of her old friends with an exclusive interview. Yeah, there you go. That was great too. Mm-hmm. Who did that one? <laughs> okay, that yeah, was that from was Swaggy J. Swaggy J, good job. This is tough, Rob. Yeah, this is tough. It's okay, tough. I I don't know. I okay. Okay, all right. I know what's going to happen and at the I, end of this. I'm going to tell you. Okay. Play the okay. last one now. Tell you exactly uh, how right, this is going right. to go down. And this is the uh, this is the the last one. Uh, and this is from uh, another one of our our listeners. Uh, all men listeners uh, send in songs for your song. Where are all the, the women listeners with T Bird songs? I know, but it's a good question. All right, here we go, T Bird. Here is uh, song number five. If you stay here and listen, your life won't ever be the same. Cause we're talking with T-Bird now. Miss T-Bird, you cannot change. T-Bird, you cannot change And things might get pretty strange <laughs> Alright, T-Bird You like Leonard Skinner? Oh, wait, wait Leonard Skinner, that's yes. a Georgia band, isn't it? Georgia banner, are you I kidding believe, me? Yeah, I think I think yeah. Okay. Yeah, right? That's I think that's so. who sings that I, song? I'm supposed to know that. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yes. I think it is. I should, I'm okay. supposed to know that. So I'm gonna all right, say yes. I think that's it. Oh I think that's gosh. all the that's all the song submissions. All right, so Rob, these are all so good. These are all so good. So um who did that one? You that told was me that from America. was Lane and the J. All right, Will. Will from America. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right, Lane was great. Jacob was great. Jay was great. Swaggy Jay was great. Will from America was great. Okay, here we go. Rob, mm-hmm. pick it out. Pick it out, Rob. Okay. Well, I would have to say that I, I think that we need to go with Will from America. There we go. Yes. There. But and there's okay. a reason okay. why why I think that uh, we need to, that that Will from America had an unfair advantage in this competition because that 
Uh, Will from America reached out to T-Bird. Yes, he did. Which, true or false? I didn't say that. That That's true. I said that. That's I why, said that. That's true. He was the most enterprising of the T-Bird theme song entrance. And he reached out to T-Bird and actually had T-Bird record her own version which I believe that we should use for the closing credits for talking with T-Bird. T-Bird, can we listen to your version of the Talking with T-Bird theme song? Well, I I think we should, but I just want to say this. I want to say a couple things. First off, I've got to be fair with this. Jay, that used the background of the Tamara song, also reached out to me. He yes. did. And, and what so did he that's say? That's why I did not. He, I already, I already had listened to Jay's, and yes. so I. That's why I did not want to pick out of these five. I wanted to be fair. I wanted you to pick it out. But also, when Will from America reached out for me and wanted me to do this, Rob, I told him that I don't want to lose our listeners before we start. And I wasn't kidding. I was yes. totally serious. So I like the idea that Will opens it up. And that I close it that way. If people you say bring I us can't home. take this anymore, yeah, or if they can't take it anymore, they you know click the stop button and we're done. Yes, they don't and have I have it. not listened to this yet Perfect. before. This is the first time that I'm about to hear this. Okay, so let's hear what is going to be the closing credits to our, our our new closing credits for this show. And you know, let's let's wrap up the podcast, and then we'll go, and then we'll go out with this. Okay, so of course, uh, thanks so much to the patrons of Rob is a podcast. Uh, Rob is a website dot com slash patron for more information on everything we're doing behind the scenes at Rob has a podcast. Of course, thanks again to Kelly Goldsmith, T Bird. Anything, anything else uh, you want to uh, mention for the listeners? No, I, I'm still, you know. Tell the listeners to get me their suggestions of these old school, new school players they want to hear from. And we're going to make it happen, Rob. Okay. We're going to make it happen. All right. And follow at T-Bird Cooper on Twitter. And so to bring us home, here is uh, T-Bird Cooper with the closing theme to Talking with T-Bird. I have my lighter out. Because <laughs> we're talking with T-Bird now. This T-Bird you cannot change. Oh, and things might get pretty strange. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Yeah. T-Bird, don't quit your day job. Okay. T-Bird, I'll talk to you (laughs) next time, okay? That sounds great. Thank you, Rob. I enjoyed it. All right, take care. Thank you, Will from America and all these other guys that send in songs. They're great. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye. Bye.